Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Michelin Le Mans Cup on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. The fifth round of the 2018 Michelin Le Mans Cup brings us to Belgium and to Spa-Francorchamps. What to say about this track? Seven kilometres in length, huge gradient change and a real challenge for the brave. Thank you for joining our coverage. This is actually race six of the year, but counted as round five because the two Le Mans races counted as one. Effectively, that was half points on offer for the Thursday and Saturday race of Le Mans week. We've also been to another race in France, to the south of that country, to Le Castellet, Paul Ricard, a visit to Monza in northern Italy, and then to Red Bull Ring in Austria. Brings us to Spa for the September race, and there's one more to go after this at Portimao. You'll be intrigued by the graphic though on the left of your shot because there is a 60% chance of rainfall now and it gets even more likely as we head towards the end of this two-hour race so stick around to the very finish there's bound to be a bit of a sting in the tail and both types of tyres understandably from the teams are being prepared so uh, two hours on the clock my name's Johnny Palmer I'm joined by Graham Goodwin the editor of dailysportscar.com it's a very empty grid at the moment but cars are just being released and we have 19 LMP3s and six GT3s. It's going to be busy to that first corner, Graham. Uh, sadly, it's five GT3s now because uh, confirmation that the if you were with us a little earlier this afternoon uh, for qualifying, you saw the enormous and as yet unexplained shunt uh, on the Kemmel Straits all by himself by Giuseppe Perizzini, the car just snapping to the left and straight into the barrier with uh, front wheels pointing straight ahead. Uh, that car, I'm afraid, is beyond uh, repair in the immediate future so we're down to well still a very healthy 24 cars it takes one out from the six gts but 19 lmp2 cars a lovely mix of norma and ligier chassis and those cars uh, certainly have got uh, different parts of this circuit where they're showing their strengths and perhaps their their weaknesses uh, if we get some weather coming into the equation well, things are going to get very interesting very quickly because the, the way in which these cars deliver the grip uh, for the LMP3 class has shown some sector times well, vastly different uh, in sectors 1, 2 and 3. The lap times all over the place in qualifying for both this race and for tomorrow's European Le Mans uh, uh, series race where we've got another 18 uh, LMP3 cars competing there too. So slicks and wets uh, at the ready. And it's certainly got cooler. I just walked uh, up to the uh, TV truck from Radion, at, uh, uh, from uh, Radion Le Rouge. Uh, it's pretty stiff breeze coming through. We could bring a weather front through, through here very quickly, as anybody that uh, has come racing either trackside uh, or uh, on the paddock side of the adventure at Spa-Francorchamps. Things can change incredibly quickly. Uh, let's hope we get a bit of order with this one. And we don't get uh, disruption through the weather, but uh, we have seen earlier in the weekend, Johnny, uh, think everything from really, you know, really balmy temperatures in the 70s all the way through to just stair-rodding rain at very little notice whatsoever. 
True, and that's sort of what happens at Spa, isn't it? I mean, those that have visited this track many times before will know all about that. We're deep in a valley here, which does tend to attract the odd rain cloud, but also the rain sometimes doesn't stick around for very long either. And radars are great things when they are correct, but it does tend to sort of throw the whole... <laughs> meteorological science out of the window this place and you can predict you can track a storm completely in the direction of spa and then it'll change at the very last minute and vice versa so we'll wait to see what uh, the race will deliver i noticed the lannan car's gone a bit too far on the grid there it should be just in front of the cd sport machine unless no i think actually the instruction to those down on the grid is that that's exactly where the lannan car must be because the cd sport machine which is that black yellow and red car due to start from sixth position so the outside of row three so michael benham has indeed pulled up in exactly the right spot it'll be a rolling start remember so we need not pay great attention to those grid markings it's uh, good to see such a healthy grid of prototypes on this uh, on this Entry, almost 20 LMP3 cars. It's almost like Prototype Racing Academy, isn't it, really? But uh, teams that we've seen for a number of years around national and continental motorsports in Europe, uh, teams stepping into mixed-class racing for the very first time, teams bringing gentlemen drivers through and some young pros through for the first time in sports car racing. And it's beginning to deliver dividends, not just for the quality of the grids and the racing we're seeing here in the Michelin Le Mans Cup, but for what happens above this in the pyramid, in the European Le Mans Series, in the WEC, the FI World Endurance Championship. Uh, you know, some drivers opting to, to look elsewhere in Asia or in North America with their racing. But this is a stepping stone. It's still producing mightily impressive racing, and ever more so, it seems, and particularly with the injection of these LMP3 cars, Johnny Palmer. 420 horsepower, 5-litre V8 Nissan engines with an extract gearbox in the back of all of these cars, whether they are a Norma or a Ligier chassis. Yeah, and the whole point of this is to try and even things up, if we can, between the two chassis to make it attractive to both Ligier and to Norma and likewise in GT3 as well we've got two different uh, OEMs key manufacturers represented on the grid sadly it's only now four Ferraris and the one Porsche and it'd be nice to have a bit more variety in GT3 and a few more cars generally speaking and I know interest is out there particularly because the unique selling point of this championship is that there's a load of responsibility on the bronze graded driver they have to qualify the car and they have to do just under half of the race absolutely and of course the the, the, the massive bonus if you come through that uh, small group is that you have got an automatic entry as a championship winner uh, for the the, the uh, Le Mans 24 hours uh, next year and uh, that uh, entry was taken up uh, this season by the EP Motors squad after success with their Lamborghini Huracan they raced at Le Mans this year with a Porsche 911 RSR. That same team is also present this year, this time with a 911 GT3 R Porsche and in the European Le Mans series uh, uh, grid with their 911 RSR GTE car. Okay, the Motorsport 98 Ligier, now the N-Race 99, two of the Ligier GSP3s, hugely successful car in the marketplace. Uh, the Pretender, if you like, the younger Pretender, is this the Norma M30. This is one of three craft racing cars, the uh, number 65 car. No shortage of tech on display in these entry-level international prototypes, the Normas and the Ligiers here, plus still available, of course, the Ginetta, the Ades, 
Uh, we do have an Odessa here of a very different sort. Maybe get to talk about that a little later this afternoon with the H24 pro- programme being unveiled right now by the ACO. Uh, investing in hydrogen technology for future racing and an Odessa LMP3 car, the backbone for the car that we've seen lapping here almost silently in the hands of one Yannick Dalmas. 32 car there, one of a trio of United Autosports entered Ligier JSP3s, previous ELMS championship winners, of course. Yes, Nat Hussein, who looks like he's going to start the car, sharing with birthday boy today, Colin Brown, who will be in the championship for a third race this year. 30 years old. Colin today. Well, Colin Brown... Um, main uh, race programme of course across in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship if things go the way that they just could at the season ending Petit Le Mans race they're sitting second at the moment in the uh, Drivers Championship and uh, all those uh, Daytona prototype internationals could fall to the sword of the Corotta Sport Orica with Colin Brown having been a big part of the attack there and his speed, his experience, his racecraft been brought over here by United World Sports and Nigel Hussain to add some backbone to this uh, nascent challenge. There will be some people we see again next year in this, in this challenge, in this championship, as they look to decide when to take that next faltering step up the stepladder of talent that is international sports car racing. It's a great place to learn your craft. It's a great place to hone your craft. And just across the other side of that pit wall, that's the next stop for a lot of these guys, a lot of these teams, a lot of these drivers, is the European Le Mans Series. Caught a glimpse of the DKR Engineering Championship leading car. Three wins to its name and a podium result at one of the Road to Le Mans races too. Well, down in eighth position on the grid and starting alongside this car, number 40, for Adrian Schiller and Marc-Antoine Danilou. They're third in the championship and currently seventh then for this grid. So first and third in the championship, way back on row four. And the car that's second in the championship will catch a glimpse of in a moment. This is the car that will start sixth in class, though, from CD Sport. Spanish flagged, and Anthony Pont and Laurence Heur, a French-German combination. This there, uh, well, they had a pole position earlier on in the year, but this will be a sixth-place start then for the team sixth in the championship. Yep, uh, talking to Norma last week, something over 30 of these cars now sold worldwide, the Norma M30, as well over 100 Valigiers uh, launched rather earlier into the marketplace of course, mid-life for this iteration of LMP3 with a new generation coming forward, more news of that in the coming days in terms of what we can expect to see. Um, with the new generation, the uh, Norma and Ligier factories have been reselected for uh, the new generation of cars, as have Ades, as have Ginetta. So we're going to see new cars emerging in a couple of years' time, and it's a matter of just exactly um, what that package is going to look like. And the key uh, component for this, of course, for many of these teams and many of these drivers, how much it's going to cost. Of course. All that and more in the next few days. Yeah, and then they can cut their cloth accordingly. Jack Wolf just caught a glimpse of him and uh, his little office space inside that DB Autosport, Norma, sharing with seven-time French hill-climb champion Nicolas Schatz. 
and that's a good combination going from fifth position on the grid. Meanwhile, two drivers more familiar to European Le Mans Series fans, Henrik Hedman on the left and Nicolas Lapierre on the right, having a little look at uh, a Le Mans Cup uh, grid. In- interesting. Isn't it just? I mean, it's only a short step from where their cars and team are based, just the other side of the pit wall, but maybe... We might be able to be seeing a Dragon Speed car you, on this grid in the future. You didn't get the impression that was just two guys going, well, that's cute. You know, and no. they're dri- driver, driving together, of course, with LMP1 and LMP2. Uh, Lapierre, uh, busy this year with Henrik Edman and others. But uh, that was an interesting pairing to see on the grid. Might pop down and have a chat with uh, one of those two gentlemen afterwards and ask. The 79 second in the championship, that's Securia Cost Nielsen, Alistair McCaig. And Colin Noble, presumably Colin to take the second stint. And yes, McCaig on our timing screen, shown to be at the wheel. We will be at a moment or, in a moment Spotted or two. Spotted Alistair running towards the garage earlier. That would seem to indicate he was going to, about to get into the car. As Meanwhile, uh, Adrian Truyer to take the opening stint. This is son ahead of father Eric Truyer, who's been the qualification specialist with two poles to his name already. But it'll be Truyer Jr., to start that Norma from third position. Here is the highest qualifying Ligier and a great performance from Tony Wells, the T-sider, and he will hand over at about half point to James Littlejohn. Always good to see and uh, ask the questions beyond some of the names on the sides of these cars. Red River Sport, by the way, for those of you that follow uh, endurance racing worldwide, that is the company set up on his retirement from professional racing by Johnny Molam. And uh, his Red River Sport consultancy, I believe, owns that car. I think that is leased across for the purposes of this uh, of this effort in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. We'll be seeing Johnny and a couple of his clients in the Asia Le Mans series in a GT car uh, this season with TF Sport, another team, of course, that's uh, done, that's done duty in the Michelin um, Michelin Le Mans yes. Cup previously. Yes, that's right, in a Ferrari. And there was the Land and Racing. Uh, car the Norma that took pole position a little earlier on with Mike Benham doing the driving the 47 year old bronze graded driver and shares with Duncan Tappy from West Jewel in Surrey and Duncan then the gold grader to take that car over they've had a couple of poles now that's their second and of course the race win on Saturday morning at Le Mans which uh, Mike Benham was jumping up and down like a crazy thing at the end of that. Such a significant win. There's the championship, though. Jens Pettersson, Leonard Hugenboom lead on 103 points. They have this decent margin of uh, it's 46.5 points back to Alistair McCaig and Colin Noble with Tappy and Benham third ahead of Schiller and Marc-Antoine Danilou. So in championship terms, realistically, it now has to come down to bad luck for the DKR teams for Akurikos Nielsen to do anything about them. But the 79 crew will be pushing as hard as they possibly can to get as many points as they possibly can uh, just to turn some heads ahead of what will come next for uh, the team and those drivers. Lannan Racing as well beginning to come on strong with this pairing. Duncan Tappy, my local racing driver, lives just about five minutes down the road from <laughs> me. And uh, Mike Benham loving his LMP3 adventure. There is the number 25 car shot through the car alongside it on the grid, the Courier Cost Nielsen car. This is going to get busy very quickly. So we've, uh, the race control say wet track. Yeah. Not very wet right now. That sky looks like it's getting darker to me. Yeah, well, it's going to get more and more threatening through the course of the afternoon. And it all depends if and when the rain arrives 
before 10 to 6, which is the scheduled finish time for this race. The GT3 Teams Championship, led by Kessel Racing, a race win would do it in this because that would give them an unassailable lead for the Swiss team with Spirit of Race on their tail on 77. But a retirement would throw it wide open oh, yes. because the, uh, the chasing pack are almost exactly a race wins with the points away. So it's... It, you know, it, green flag. It's, green flag, start of the formation lap. Green flag, start of the formation lap. End of that. Time-honoured Michelin mascots waves the green flag. Yeah, with now 51 points on offer, two two lots of 25 for your race wins. That's today and in a month's time at Portimao. And there's one pole position on offer at Portimao as well, which gives you another point. So 51 is the potential, and the spread of points then from 86 that Kessel Racing have already scored stretches back to fifth-place team EB Motors. And they are within 51, which is the crucial amount. You're probably looking at uh, a not one non-finish for the eight car and then maybe a top six or seven to have really bad luck for Kessel Racing so they don't score too well to then bring everybody else back into the equation. The difficulty for everybody else is this dominance that Kessel Racing have had so far. They've won every single two-hour race so far. But you know what? We've said it before. We said it this morning and into this afternoon. You don't... Count your chickens in endurance racing. Even in qualifying, things turned around remarkably quickly in just about every single session that we saw, particularly the European Le Mans series, right at the end where pole changed hands twice in five seconds. And the remarkable thing about these races is they just keep giving. What it is, we could probably put an algorithm into place and, and, and sort that one out. But what it comes down to is it's that mix of pace and experience and inexperience it's the changing, changing environment of a racetrack like this, potentially in changing weather. It is different cars uh, in the, the same grid, GT and prototype cars, different handling characteristics, different braking abilities, different aerodynamic strengths. All of that, throw all of that into a seven-kilometre classic Grand Prix track like Spa-Francorchamps, and you can be guaranteed in the next two hours there is going to be entertainment. Yeah, and the first few corners are very tricky indeed, bearing in mind we start where the Formula 1 car starts. So the first corner is La Source, and then you concentrate on the run downhill towards Eau Rouge and back over the top of the hill at Radion. And if you're still on the track and pointing in the right direction, then you can start to focus on the race in front of you. There's a 65% chance of rain in the next hour and 55% in the hour after that. So we're going to get a sprinkling. I think that's beyond doubt, really. It's just how heavy it is when it arrives. And who's in the car? Okay. Well, uh, we have leading car at T11. We need to start compacting this grid. I need to make my mind about going for a start or not very soon. John Showerman for the Brookspeed International crew has the windscreen wiper on, I noticed. Just the centrally mounted windscreen wiper on the Ligier and probably the Norma too, actually. It has, yes. And only very tiny screens on these cars. And but a pretty good view. I've oh, yes. sat inside one of these things and pretty good view. The greenhouse on these things is, is relatively large for a traditional uh, prototype. Start line gantry there. Lights are at red. Uh, we heard the words of Eduardo Freitas trying to get this field under control and in some order. Okay, so gentlemen, leading car is now at the medicals. We need the cars <coughs> side by side as you exit T14. It is declared a wet track. 
on this formation lap so tyre regulations change very slightly because of that and I wonder whether there's going to be a mixture of Michelin rubber or Michelin compound at least or whether the wet weather tyre is being utilised in this stint I would probably suggest not because most of the lap will be dry the windscreen wiper being utilised at the back of the field as well by Alex Capardia. now he's going to be one to watch bearing in mind he's got four GT3 cars to try and get by straight away Christoph Ulrich and Murad Sultanov the new driver to the championship from Russia joining Kessel Racing are immediately in front of the Aylesbury ace Alec Capardia once again given the job as the pro driver of starting this car. It'll give Ross Warburton the opportunity to defend whatever advantage Alex manages to squeeze out of this situation. I should say, by the way, being told by uh, Jeff Carter of the Media Centre that we had wrong points on those slides. We'll talk yes. about that a little later in the I race. I didn't think Lannan were, were quite as high up there in the standings. I think okay, they possibly Lannan were given maximum cars, points for the, the Le Mans races on those graphics. Once each car crosses the start line. The race starts once each car crosses the start line. So there's the final instruction on this formation lap from Eduardo Freitas and we're watching the five red lights on the gantry at the moment to see whether the Portuguese is happy to do this race start it's still red at the moment what's going to happen and now the lights go out so we're going to get cars fanning out in typical spa fashion here three abreast now four abreast and both cars have gone straight on for the race lead so oh and the spinner is from third as well so the lock is in for Alistair McKagan Jack Wolf I reckon car right in the middle of the track at La Source and both the front row starters went straight on and also a spin for John Ferrano for RLR so now getting going finally is the Lannan machine now was it oh and sideways again for Benham so these cars must be on slick tyres and it is very very easy and Benham's in the wall Mike Benham is in the wall for Lannan Racing and that will leave car 21 then Jack Wolf to lead this opening lap Graham absolute drama here in Belgium well 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 so still clearly not fully dry and certainly not fully dry off the circuit which is where Mike Benham ended up I mean outbraked himself into the first turn I think maybe a bit too much watching of mirrors and not too much watching of the breaking point there he will be kicking himself for sure didn't look to be a terribly heavy um, biff into the barriers let's hope he can get the 25 running again so I'm sure there's some not very family friendly words being said on the radio at the moment you don't often have a small moment as the leader's gone wide at Bruxelles and this might be Jack Wolf's opportunity now McCaig rather in second position Wolf going wide and McCaig for a courier cost Nielsen almost had a sneak at the lead also oh, the championship, hits. championship leader got a wallop as well the Luxembourgish crew DKR Engineering is around and Jens Pettersson round out of speaker's corner is he going to get collected by anybody else thankfully no but this is going to really spice up the championship and as you say the two cars immediately in front of Pettersson also made contact. Stone Cold Ties is going to be the issue. Alex Capaldi, just spotted, has not cleared the GT cars. I wonder if he's had another moment, actually. Well, it was Ferrano in the RLR car that had the spin. The Both the corner. RLR cars are right at the back of the of the of the um, pack here. You can see one of them there alongside the normal. There's the second, just clearing Puan in the background. I'm not sure Capardi has had a moment yet, not wanting to put the kibosh on things. He's just keeping things very neat and tidy, as you would expect from Alex, assessing the conditions. This might be his opportunity to get at the inside of another Ferrari. That's the Kessel Racing Machine, number eight. The wipers are playing on a number of these cars, and I just wonder, it's looking like uh, it's bone dry to us. I don't think it is. No. 
I think it's actually a bit rather greasier than we can tell. Another side-to-side -side contact there between two of the LMP3 cars. That was one of the United Autosport cars involved there. Jack Wolf full of oversteer coming through. Blanchemont and also on the move could be Anthony Parr. As Wolf has he got slowed sufficiently for the bus stop? Yes. Anthony Pons is side by side for third position. That would have been with Tony Wells, who's managed to sneak through, and one trouble. of them peeling off. That's trouble for one of the United Auto Sports cars. It started to slow up before the bus stop, after that side to side contact, but it is very, very greasy there. Well, Mor Tony Wells is in the darker of the two. Uh, Ikuria Cost Nielsen machines now up alongside Tony must be Antonin Borger birthday yesterday here comes Borger now bear in mind Borger's not a bronze driver so he's maybe more accustomed to these conditions and there are place changes all around including with the lead as Jack Wolf had no speed out of the source corner but Borger's right on his tail as is Tony Wells and this is Borger now going for the lead then with no windscreen wiper being used on the seven on the uh, car tucked in behind of Antonin Borger from Cool Racing and it's a tyre change for DKR Engineering they're going from slick Michelins to full wet weathers there's no intermediate at their disposal as Borger takes the lead now at Lecom Corner so Antonin Borger celebrating a birthday yesterday Brookspeed around as well that's John Schauman having a moment at the first corner and the order seems to change not uh, even on every lap there's almost changing every sector split here with the 21 about to lose more ground. Who is that on the move? Richard Mines yes, gaining indeed. a spot at Bruxelles, the right-hand hairpin. Way goes Jens Petersen, another car on pit lane as well. We did tell you to expect some dramas. Good grief, the first lap of this race had some uh, some, some thrills and spills to throw at us, didn't it? And just checking through to see that... Where did the 25 get away? It did indeed. Uh, Mike Benham, we saw in the in the tyre barrier at the top of Radion, uh, is away in 19th position from the lead. So, Borger, the silver driver, uh, 31 years old just the other day from Geneva, is now the new race leader then by just a very small margin with McCaig tucked in behind. And... I know the timing screen tells us that's not the case. It corrects itself now as, the, as those leading runners reach the second sector. So it, the gap is 3.2 seconds here. And it seems like a good decision from Cool Racing to put their more experienced driver out. Alex Capardia continues his run through the order. And Michael Benham obviously recovering from that spin. So let's wind the clock back to the start of the race. Look at the two cars on the front row that desperately tried to slow sufficiently into La Source, but both went straight on and almost actually contact because the car that started on the outside of the front row, Tony Wells, nearly ran into the side of Michael Benham. Both got going again, but using an awful lot of runoff out of La Source. There was also nearly a collision for the Kessel Racing Ferrari, the number eight. We talked about maybe a non-finished for car number eight. It came to grief, potentially, <laughs> at turn one. And then Benham. Big wiggle. Huge moment. The mother of all moments at uh, uh, Radion Corner. And that actually, considering the incidents I've seen at Radion through the years, that was a, just a slight tap into the tyres. It got away with it astonishingly well. Actually did very well to keep it out of the barrier on the outside. Yes. Then there was another tap here and another... And another there, um, and then round the, the turn here, Jens Pedersen gets the power in, and then the car just goes around straight on, and so clearly more than just damp Yeah, in a number of places, and it was catching out multiple drivers. John Schaumann there, just getting the power in, the classic spa, 
uh, issue there just out of the source. The car just half spins. All and that said, we still have 24 runners. Absolutely, and three of those runners have now made a stop. That doesn't count as a mandatory stop, which must happen between 55 minutes and 65 minutes, by the way. So the pit stoppers are Motorsport 98, Eric de Donker, presumably from Slicks to Wets, and likewise, DKR Engineering Jens Pettersson will have done well. We know that that's what happened because we saw that pit stop up close. And Nad Hussain for United Autosports also in and back out again in car 32. That was a long stop, though, for the United Autosports Ligier, over three minutes. So we are, what, uh, seven minutes into this race. Uh, cool racing. Walker leads down by five and a half seconds from the Akuri Cost pair. Uh, Alistair McCaig leading Tony Wells by about three seconds. They're about five and a half seconds back from the leader. Richard Means hanging on in there. Great re uh, run from Richard Means in the Gulf Marine livery 23 United Autosports car. Then Jack Wolfe, Anthony Pons, the two cars that were right at the front of this race to start with. Then Alex Capardia, seventh position, up from 24th at the start of this race. Really good run then from the man from Bedfordshire. And in GT3, it is a Kessel Racing 1-2-3 now with 77 leading the eight. So Claudia Schiavone out front from uh, Pianazzola, who's been the qualification specialist. Sergio Pianazzola, three poles to his name so far this season. And Pianazzola takes the lead, in fact. So that's been a problem on this lap for Ferrari 77, losing not only the lead, but also second place and a lot of other spots too. Here comes 21, Jack Wolf up the inside to retake the position on Richard Mines. So is this an indication that maybe the spa surface is getting a bit drier again? And those that leapt to the pit lane very early on for wet tyres might be regretting that decision. Here's the new Kessel Racing Ferrari race leader then, car number eight, in amongst a load of LMP3 traffic. Both are at our cars. No, the land and... Oh, there's Con Contact between Lannan's car, Mike Benham, and the 14 of John Ferrano. And Ferrano ends up nose-to-nose -nose with Adrian Truier, who started, remember, right at the front on the second row. Truier can't go anywhere. John Ferrano can't go anywhere. And they're just staring at each other in the face at the end of the lap. Almost touching scenes, wasn't it? Would have been a great publicity shot, but unfortunately, I'm sure that's not the way they were feeling it. Probably punching every button on the dashboard, trying to find some way out of Reverse, what was absolutely... Ideally. We don't mean to laugh, no, but <laughs> this race has been bizarre, to say the least, from the off. 30, now slotting ahead of the 23 car, so that's another place lost by Richard Mines and Anthony Pont up a spot for CD Sport. Anthony Borger leading by over 10 seconds now from Alistair McCaig for a curious cost, but bear in mind, Borger is the is the more of the pro driver, the silver grader, and it's still Alexander Kwani to come. Yeah, Mike Benham looking on the outside, around the outside through Lecom there, wasn't quite way through. Alex Capaldi, meanwhile, is third, uh, 14 seconds back from the race lead, lapping on the same kind of pace. Up the inside goes Mike Benham this time, makes it by the number 22 car. So that will get him back into 11th position. So the London Racing car is making real good progress here. Duncan's happy still to come, of course. And here is Capardia then, uh, no, rather John Ferrano recovering. Capardia, as you say, started 23rd, now third. That's not bad after three laps of racing. And catching uh, Alistair McCaig. Yes. Very rapidly. And then the challenge, if he can get past Alistair, the challenge is to try and reel in Antonin Borger, who's now 12.1 seconds 
further up the road. Yeah, Alex Capaldi, rather bizarrely, uh, drives, of course, here for RLRM Sport, but drives for Curry Cost Nielsen in the uh, European Le Mans series. Have another look at this. Well, it was concertina effect, big queue trying to get through it the bus It was Mike Benham, wasn't it, that yes. just tagged... The back of Ferrano. He did. And spun Ferrano round so that he was just sitting right in front of Adi and Truier, who was the innocent party in all of that and couldn't go any further. Yeah. Already significantly delayed. Ferrano, I have to say, I think it was completely in the innocent party there. was yeah. way wide into the turn. So Mike Benham may be just a little hasty, I'm sure, feeling the urgency of trying to recover. Down the hill from the source, this is Alistair McCaig then, being caught all the time by Alex Capardia, who could just be seen at Eau Rouge in the white car in the RLRM Sport colours. So Capardia in car 59 from the back of the grid, pretty much. And this is also a recovery drive for Jens Pettersen in the championship-leading DKR engineering machine. He's all the way down in 22nd place. Well, he's Would get half a point, but of course this car's pitted. On wet weather tyres, now is that a good decision or not? We're about to find out, I think. Well, his, uh, his problem is, in front of him is Eric de Donka, another team, uh, car that's been in the pits, another man that wants to uh, get a result out of this race. Just let him through, though, there, without much ado. Key to it, though, is going to be where is the gap going to be at the end of this portion of the race? It's looking like a mighty bridge to climb. In terms of time, another one to watch here. So the DKR car, number three's 21st position is a minute and 24 seconds. Remember that, a minute and 24 Trouble. Now, which of the cars is that? Which it's of the not GT the cars? It's not the eight In car. In which case, it, it was the 77 then. Let's have a look at the track map as well. Uh, might give us an indication. Um, let's have a look. This would be easier. 77, you're right. Oh, was a contact between 77? It yes. Was. And an MLMP3 car. 22. 22. I, I was at the 22. Not sure. It was the number. Unfortunately, it was obscured. I thought it might have been a graph car, but I think uh, you're right. I got that one wrong. There we go. There is the number eight car. No drama for the championship leader, leading the class, eleventh overall, ahead of a good proportion of the LMP3 field at this point. The car near to 77. Well, 22 is not very far away, and also the 39 might have been involved yeah. at that first corner. We'll get another chance to see that. I hope. But 77, the Kessel Racing Ferrari, driven by Claudio Schiavone, did a, well spent a bit of time earlier on leading the GT3 race. It's now Sergio Pianazzola. And remember, three wins already for that squad from Kessel Racing. And if they win today, that's championship sewn up, irrespective of what anybody else does. There's a, cars attacking Blanchemont Connor at all sorts of different speeds here, including... Well, this is all the battle of a 10th position, as you can see, and it is the 40 car of Adrian Schiller just about fending off Foubert and Alain Costa. So the end race machine tucks in behind as well, number 99. This is Alex Capardia, now almost on the rear end of uh, the Alistair McCaig, second-placed the Courier Cost Nielsen car, and Capardia's going to want to get by here because he is managing to hold the gap to the leader at about 15 seconds but uh, if anything Borger is finding more speed a 2.21.2 last time around so Capardi will not want to waste time if he can get by here dealing with the challenge of Alistair McCaig who by the way this gentleman driver what a rich vein of form Alistair's had in recent races drove beautifully at the Red Bull Ring yes he did and uh, he and Colin Noble deserved well, arguably a top step of the podium, but Noble just couldn't fend off 
uh, Leonard Hugenboom having a little bit of a look there Alex Capardia I'm not sure he's going to go for a move at Pouan but the lights are flashing he's causing a distraction got here a for Alison McCaig got a better run through Pouan there so maybe down at Lafagne that move will be made meanwhile this is the battle for 10th and it's Adrian Schiller still fending off uh, the Foubert car Jean-Ludovic Foubert the 42 year old Frenchman sharing with Nicola Morlini and yes he's through is Capardia so Capardia made that move at Lafagne I'm guessing to get by Alistair McCaig and the 79 Akira Kost car drops a position that means team cars from Akira Kost are now third and fourth we see. And this is how Capardia get by around the outside at Lafagne he did <laughs> wow so well, outside from the right-hander, that gave him the inside of the left-hander, and that's very experienced driving. That started with Alex being really smart into and through Puon. He gave himself room to get the better uh, slingshot off the apex and down towards Lafagne, which gave him the better straight-line speed and gave him the opportunity to slingshot by at the next turn. So good stuff from Alex Capardi. He jets off now. Uh, 17.9 seconds is the gap. 18.2, rather, over the start finish line but he sets the fastest first and third sectors of the race on that lap a shout for Sergio Pianazzola in the leading Ferrari up to ten, up to ninth overall now yep. I'm not sure we've ever been in a situation in a Michelin Le Mans Cup race in uh, recent times where a GT3 car has got, managed to make so much ground through LMP3s that uh, could well be on the wrong tyres I'd be interested to know what sort of tyre that Ferrari is on to be so stable and glued to the track but Kessel first second they were third as well but the 77 has lost time so now Spirit of Race are up to third position in class no further action in the uh, investigation into the incidents that involved the 14 and 39 at bus stop which presumably means Mike Benham is going to suffer no further sanction for his involvement there too um, just keeping an eye, by the way, on the times of Jens Pettersson. We know to be on wet tyres. 2.33 for Pettersson. Uh, not in traffic. That compares to Alistair McKeg at 2.26. Seven seconds slower on that lap. I think they've got it wrong. That car should not be on wet, uh, wet weather tyres at this stage of the race. Yeah, well, without a doubt, you need wet tyres for about the first two laps. But then it was always going to dry up with... 24 cars circulating and no fresh rainfall I thought the rain had started again with a few specks on the camera lens at Blanchemont but they've now disappeared so it is dry once more we are in for one or two passing showers though as it's side by side again for 10th position at the end of the Kemble straight Adrian Schiller in the blue red and black car versus N-Race's machine with Alain Costa at the wheel of number 99 there's still nose to tail and up ahead of them Sergio Pianazzola then in that lead leading Ferrari in GT3 still tippy-toeing aren't there a couple of these LMP3 cars very wide indeed into Bruxelles went Adrian Schiller and had Costa been a bit neater and tidier closer to the apex he might have been able to pick off the 40 machine that time around they are gaining though on Pianazzola and interestingly windscreen wiper turned on full time now for the Italian at the wheel of the Swiss prepared Ferrari Kessel Racing based at Lugano in Switzerland we've got Giacomo Pacini to come in that number 8 car three wins already for it a second place in one of the Road to Le Mans races as well but that non-finish on Saturday morning of Le Mans week meanwhile number 39 driven by Adrian Trier is making ground as well he's got ahead of him uh, the Jean-Ludovic Foubert car 
Trouble for the 77. Was the 40 about to spin then that time at Campus as well? But yes, as you say, 77 around. And Claudius Give only losing time at the end of the Kemmel Straight. There's also a yellow flag at Turn 5. That is to cover this incident. Yep. I just wondered whether the 40 car was uh, starting to step out and there was plenty of opposite lot required from Adrian Schiller. Meanwhile, the race leader in splendid isolation is Anthony Borger. Borger. But being, he was, yeah. he, he's being tracked by Alex Capone. He's taking a couple of tenths out here, but grabbing a few tenths back there. So it's 18 and a half, well, 18 seconds more or less dead is the gap. We've had 19 minutes of this race elapsed. Still got the windscreen wiper playing away on the 24 car. Let's wait and see if this one develops. Looking further down the order, Mike Benham is back up into eighth position. Just spinning from the lead all the way down to the back of the field. Is fighting back. The 40 obviously didn't spin down at Campus Corner because it's still ahead of number 99. Now, the number four car is going to be given a one-minute one stop-and-go penalty. So that's the Brook Speed International machine being called into the pit lane because of a steward's decision from earlier on in the race. Now, I don't think we saw exactly what happened there. But nevertheless, it's been judged to be a stop-go. Was it at the start? Might have been a, might have been a jump start. Could have been. Well, this is the start from the reverse angle and from the helicopter as well. And the front two just didn't stop. Tony Wells was never going to stop either, was it? It's not just because Michael Bennett was going straight on. There was also a spin from Adrian Truier, who started third, and other cars behind did a splendid job of avoiding the back end. Drama as well as uh, that car tried to rejoin. John Ferrano, meanwhile, spinning in the RLRM Sport car as well. So, so much kicking off, as has historically happened at Source Corner through the years. I should say, by the way, uh, this is another team we might, just might, see stepping up to LMP2 next year with their LMS efforts. We're racing another of the teams that uh, features in both the entries for Michelin Le Mans Cup and the European Le Mans Series, and they are taking a good, hard look, and I believe they may already... Have actually put down the money required for a car to arrive in their garage for the 2019 European Le Mans Series into LMP2. Joining RLRM Sports and uh, into Europol, who've already declared that they too will be stepping up. Well, regular drivers include Alexandre Kwani and Anthony Borger. Iraj Alexander, a stable part of that team as well, although Iraj not racing this weekend for cool, either in this championship or in the European Le Mans series. There is a lot more rain now. Specks of rain on the camera lens at Curve Paul Frere, possibly at Blanchemont as well. So even though that might be just psychological rain at this stage, it's not going to be helping matters, particularly for the cars that have stayed on slick tyres. And the Brookspeed car is now in to serve that stop-go penalty. So watching midfield battles, Graf cars and the end race car there. This is for ninth position. Chila, Costa, Trouillet. The 99 car looking for the way around the outside. We'll try and do the cut back here. Hope that the traction for the Norma isn't... He can pull out the bag for the Ligier. Not quite. A little bit of an overlap. And uh, then you didn't be careful. It wasn't far away, was it? When they went to single file again. But through Eau Rouge and Radion they go now. This will be lap nine. And that's this is where the normal strong so the normal strong suit starts to come back in. 
the run down the hill and up the hill, certainly that's where the Ligier is a stronger package, but now on the straights, the Norma certainly does have an advantage. Bit of a wiggle and a braking, and that's going to be enough, is it? Not quite for the number 39 graph car to take advantage. Still sideways coming through Lecon. It's raining up here, I it think. Is. The higher yeah, part of the circuit. Beginning to see just the faintest hint of spray from the back of these cars. Yeah. And Alain Costa, a real job on his hands to get that end race. Ligier stopped at all the relevant places with snapping at his heels, Adrian Trouillet. And we know that car's got speed. Whether Eric or Adrian is at the wheel, just needs to find a way by. And there's every chance the Ferrari might be able to catch up with this trio now with a little less power and more mechanical grit. Although Pianazzola more concerned about keeping behind him Jean-Ludovic Foubert in the DB Autosport car. Team's getting ready with wet weather tyres so they can see what we can see. Definitely more rain coming, a lot more rain coming. And this is still too early for your mandatory stop. It has to be done between 55 and 65 minutes, but the pace being wound, wound well and truly back now by Adrian Schiller. And there's a change further up the order as well, as Jack Wolfe has just got ahead of Tony, of, uh, Tony Wells, who might be struggling in the wet weather conditions too. And this is where this will swing right back to Jens Pettersson. And Tony Wells pits, in fact, so he's going to be the first to blink to say, right, this really is too wet now four slick tyres. Race leader seems happy enough though in the cool racing car Antonin Borger still on the slicks. Keeping well wide at Bruxelles corner running that high line. Alex Capadia will stay out for as long as possible as well I'm sure. Big wiggle, big wiggle. Lots of wheel twirling necessary to keep that car pointed in the right direction. Here is Tony Wells then in the Red River Sport backed machine. But it's uh, Ikiria Kost Nielsen, the team that runs this car, also in. Anthony Pont from sixth position. And Jack Wolf, though, has stayed out. Francois Ardeo for Graf has stayed out. But then there's this long line of other cars coming in, including those three that we were watching struggling so Alain Costa for Enrays, Adrian Schiller for Graf, Adrian Truier deciding to come down pit lane and the GT3 leader is in, the 50 car though stays out so they may be splitting the strategy here at Kessel Racing or ensuring of course that the 8 car isn't too badly delayed, they don't want to be double stacking these Ferraris as they change tyres Keeping an eye on this, this is all going to be about keeping your head as the grip deserts this circuit. And we haven't yet had half an hour of this race. It's not been short of action, has it? Certainly not. Um, topsy, topsy-turvy stuff. And, of course, there's every chance for the track to flip back again in the other direction and become dry enough for slick tyres again. Here is Jens Pettersen in the thick of the action on the opening few minutes of this race. Car number three all the way down in... What was 17th position? Well, he's just overtaken a big clump of cars because they're in the pit, so Leader up to 11. Leader in the pits. So Antonin Borger says, it's too wet for me too. And this is the 24 cool racing car. Will Alex Capadia follow him in? He doesn't have to, as per the sporting regulations. And if he can stay out, then that might buy him even more time. On the other hand, does he want to make sure... No, he pits. Yeah. To give well. you an idea just how bad it is out there, uh, Alex Capadia on... A wet track where you would expect a professional driver to do rather better than a non-professional has pulled out 42 seconds on Alistair McCaig in the wet. Yeah. And now McCaig 
trying to get back without finding any of the scenery. Likewise, Jack Wolf and Francois Herriot on far from the ideal tyres. Three Ligios out front, it's three Normas, fourth, fifth and sixth, and then in seventh position, a Ferrari, number 50, up to seventh place now for that Kessel Racing car of Murad Sultanov. With experience of this track from things like the Spa 24 Hours, there was another incident here for the RLRM Sport car. That's Ferrano, I reckon, or is it the Lannan car? Difficult no, to tell from the back. That is, I'm sure that's... Uh, 14, yeah. still didn't see the number, uh, but uh, probably not very far away from completing its lap then. Now we can see just how wet it is out there. And the answer is extremely wet. <laughs> Who's uh, the only cars not yet to pit? The ones that haven't quite yet made it round. Mike Benham is the latest one to follow. Come down pit road, the 25 car. He pits, by the way, from sixth position. Well, Ferrano is now on an outlap. So maybe it wasn't him down at Campus Corner. Been in the pit lane for a little while. Difficult to tell from that uh, shot from it behind the car. The pits, as you may see on TV, it's getting a little bit too wet out there. As you can see on TV, please advise drivers, it's really getting wet. Well, they maybe don't, don't need that advice because they're out there feeling it and experiencing it themselves. Antonin Borger then now on wet weather tyres. Slippery surface flags are being displayed too. Alex Capardia having changed boots. And behind them, the third, the fourth, the fifth and the sixth place cars are all being serviced in the pit lane now. And these are stops that will have to be repeated, not necessarily for tyre changes, but certainly for driver changes. Car 25 reported to the stewards for speeding this time in the pit lane. And that's the Michael Benham car from Lannan Racing. Yep. Still in the pit lane right now and set to rejoin at any moment. Richard and Means didn't pit. He has gone back round and I think he possibly, if he doesn't lead, he's up to third position. Yeah. Richard Means has stayed out. Okay. As at the moment, it's Jim McGuire, and he's just spun it, I'm afraid. So he's not pitted. Just, he, he hasn't managed yet to complete that lap. So he's, he's looped it between the final turn and the start-finish straight. The start-finish line. Well, Richard Mines is down at turn seven, the last bit of Lecom, and approaching Bruce corner. Meanwhile, side-by-side side between a DB Autosport car and not sure who that was going I around the outside. I think that might have been Tony Wells. Yeah, could have been. Right right paint scheme for that car. Over the line comes the number eight Ferrari. Thankfully not involved in the spin for Jim Maguire. And yes, I think you're right. It was Tony Wells in car number two, who is now at Bruxelles. He's so the race, race leader is, uh, yes, Phil Borger then, according to our screen. It's all a little bit complicated because obviously we've got cars on all sorts of different strategies right now but Borger by the looks of things leads for cool racing from the RLRM sport machine of Capardia then Richard Mines who hasn't pitted yet and Tony Wells who has we have three cars by the way that have not pitted Claudia Schiavone in the 77 uh, Kessel Racing Ferrari down in 18 third in class uh, we've got the 22 we saw that Jim Maguire spinning the aero uh, liveried 22 United Autosports car and in third Richard Means in the Gulf Marine car it likes marine but this is getting a bit too marine if you ask me is lapping is actually uh, circulating in third position he's about a minute down on Borger and it's Capardia emerging for the pits now and has lost time there I think you may well be right it may well have been Alex that went off 
I was split between well, the actually, lap. Sorry, no, he's lost all that time in the pits. The pits 13 yeah. seconds longer in the pits, I'm afraid, for RLR. Yes. So that car then with half a minute now to try and make up on Cool Racing, who haven't yet featured in the top, certainly not top, top three. I don't think they've had a top six all year either. 12th in the championship for Kwani and Borger. This could be a surprise victory, but obviously the stint from Kwani, who's the bronze, still to come yet. So, and the rain pouring down now, close to the karting track at Curve Paul Frere. And at full speed, maybe not full speed for the number eight Ferrari, but uh, certainly no slouch into that left-hander is Sergio Pianazzola, hoping the grip is beneath him. It is. And he goes in and out of Blanchemont safely. This car having been switched to wet weather tyres then. And we're going to be a long, long way away from a dry line emerging. Just about getting the car stopped at the bus stop. And the rooster tails are huge from the back of that Ferrari. Meantime, by the way, in terms of title attention, the DKR engineering car, remember that car... Uh, went around on the opening lap, came in for wet weather tyres, was way, way, way off the pace, but they called it right eventually with this uh, this, this weather coming. So we get another look to see at the number eight. Big twitch into the bus stop, kept it all together. Uh, so uh, Jens Pettersen back up to eighth position now, a minute and 25 seconds off the lead. That matters rather less, though, than he's 24 seconds away from the third-place United Autosports car with the car starting with the non-professional drivers. Car 25, by the way, is going to get a drive-through penalty. Best result so far for Car 24 that currently leads was a fourth place at Monza. So they have been in the top six, but only on one occasion. More overtaking taking place there with the end race machine going down a spot. That was Adrian Schiller then popping through just before Eau Rouge corner. A brave place to do it in the pouring down wet, but it, he managed to pull it off. And Schiller now up to... Uh, ahead of the 99, that will bring him up to 11th place behind Jean-Ludovic Foubert and behind the GT3 leader who remains, Sergio Pianazzola. GT3 looking like it's going to go the way of the number eight car at this early stage. We've had a quarter of this two-hour race. Generally speaking for the GT3s, the gold or silver driver still to come. And it is silver-graded drivers out front in the LMP3 fight as well. Borger leading Capaglia by 29 seconds. Richard Mines next best for United Autosports. Third ahead of Tony Wells and Jack Wolfe. Richard must have started on work by the tyres. There is no way in these, in these conditions that Richard Mines has stayed out on flick tyres. You would, y yes. Yes, I think I agree with that. And I think the same for the other two cars for Jim McGuire. Likely the same. Well, that might be a clever bit of strategy. As the car runs way off the road just before Pouin. That was 99, I think, a la Costa exploring the scenery. Can't even see him rejoining, such as the extent of the spray from the back of Adrian Truyer's car, which is now at the Fanya. And, yeah, that might be a bit of clever strategy from Gary Robertshaw and others down at United Autosports to chance the fact that the track was going to go this way and the weather the weather was going to turn nasty. Yeah, Tony Wells is closing in though on Richard Beans now it's uh, been a good run Of course if those wet weather tyres didn't like the situation at the start they will have overheated a little bit, maybe the blocks on those treaded tyres uh, will have just getting information through about the tyres. Yeah, it was indeed. Uh, thank you, Martin Paston at United Autosports. All three United Autosports cars started on wet weather tyres. So thanks for that, Martin. OK, so they're now third and 16th and 23rd 
So it hasn't worked for two of those cars, but it certainly has for the number 23 machine. Can also uh, confirm, by the way, what the reason for the penalty for the Brooks big car is that 60-second uh, stop earlier. Uh, four tyres used were not on the list given by Michelin for this event. Right. So they used some tyres during free practice two, which were not listed. You have to declare the tyres you're going to use. And they would have been slicks because that car's been in for a regular pit stop. Then it came in for the drive-through of uh, or rather a stop-go. It was a minute-long stop-go penalty. And there will also be penalties coming, for, I believe, for cars 51, 71 and 79. Uh, for using four wet tyres on the cars at the end of free practice. One that went on the Michelin list. We've not seen those called yet, though. No, OK. So it may well have been that they've been appealed, but let's wait and see. But um, well, those numbers again, 51, Spirit of Race Ferrari. 71. 71. Done. Uh, yes, isn't in the race. And 79. 79 is the Curia Cost car. That is the Colin Noble Curia Cost car with Alison McCaig currently running fifth. And it's a significant runner in this race. Yes, it is. Let's wait and see if that one comes to pass. Hasn't done so far. Huge amount of water now pouring off the back of Ferrari number eight from all four wheel arches, but Sergio Pianazzola is unprovoked by that and just keeping his head. Long way to go yet and needing to keep things neat and tidy. He will hand the car over eventually, that, fingers crossed, to Giacomo Piccini, who might be a little bit more at home. to me like, yes, it was. Jens Pedersen uh, went backwards. That's Blanchemont, isn't it? Off and spinning back around. Luckily for him, doesn't uh, hit the tyre barrier. Recovers, but has lost ground again. That was at so, Puon, not to... Uh, apologies, yes, it, was, yeah, it, it was indeed Puon now. So Pedersen, that would have dropped him back a little. He's not yet cleared sector two, but he's lost some time there. Six, seven seconds, could have been a lot worse. Yes. But I don't think it's lost him a position. Is Eighth next, place. Next car behind him is actually the GT leader. As in Pianazzola, and I think you're probably right. I mean, it, it lost him the best part of ten seconds, but he's still circulating 88.5 seconds it took through that uh, middle sector when it would normally take you 78 maybe 77 seconds and we've now got Borger and Capadia working lap 14 and they are what's the distance between the race leader and third place Richard Mines uh, it's nearly 90 seconds now it's a minute and 20 in fact for the United Autosports car Mike Benham comes in sorry it's not Mike Benham sorry it's the 21 car so 21 car in from 8th position Jack Wolf. And what is this for? Because it's again too early. There must be a problem with that car. Bodywork in the front is coming off. Just update you, by the way, about those three penalties we spoke about just a moment ago. Um, those three penalties are suspended to the end of the season, so we will not be seeing further penalties. My apologies to any of the teams that have been rushing to race control to show. Oh, and off for the number 30 car. And... From, from sixth place, so a key himself. runner, Anthony Pont. This is at Radion Corner, and right in front was a car that wasn't on the same lap, the Brook Speed of John Showerman, and no grip at all at the top of the hill. And once you're off on the grass, you are a passenger. It's gone into the concrete wall, rear left. The car's stuck right in the middle of the track now. And although the CD Sport car has moved very slightly from its initial resting place, obviously this whole area covered by yellows. It's going to be more than that. And that's, how that's is Eduardo Freitas going to deal with this? That's a horrible place. It's got clearly completely blind for anybody coming over the crest there. If they've got any kind of problem... And so, debris at and turn four. And if he four. can't restart that car, and he's then got to, of course, turn it around on a blind turn Yes. In, in wet weather, I wouldn't be remotely surprised if indeed we are going to go to a full-course yellow and it's going to start in 30 seconds. Now, he's got the car rolling. 
Well, that's typical, isn't it? Because that's normally. But either way, either way, he will need the protection of the full course yellow to rejoin. Begins to go full course yellow. So he will, I'm sure, be getting instructions to just hold. Oh, will he? <laughs> and it depends on who's going to obey them. Well, Damage rear, rear wing. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Full course yellow. Full course yellow. So and literally, as he says that, yeah, he manages to get the car back on track, but. There is damage to the engine cover, damage to the legality panel, which is hanging by a veritable thread. And, of course, as you can well see, the rather askew rear wing. That car is going to be in for what will not be the work of a moment. And the other thing is it's dropping debris as well here and there with bits of tyre and possibly other bits of bodywork dropped from this CD Sport car. It's steering from the rear, which is never yeah. good to see. And that, I'm sure, will be a race-ending incident for Anthony Paul. Even if it's not race-ending, he will be so far off the lead lap. Uh, and they were going to have to address that uh, that bullet, which drops on the rear left corner, as you say, hanging on probably by the thread that powers the rain and brake light. Not brake light, but uh, the lights that run for these cars. The high-intensity lights. Yeah, just, night just time hours. He clipped the kerb at the top there, and it just lifted the, car, the rear of the car up just a touch. No traction. Bye-bye, I'm afraid. Not quite as big as some moments that have happened at that corner in the past, but Anthony Parr with a real job on his hands here because it's broken at least a toe link on the rear left corner and it looks like possibly that uh, upright has gone as well. So the wheel is no longer vertical and pitching in, so it's uh, giving him extra oversteer and it's going to be a job in itself just to get that car back again. Obviously having to adhere to the 80 kilometre per hour speed limit too, as everybody else is under this full course yellow. And still 20 minutes from the point where we can get to the, uh, the, uh, the pit stop window. So a while yet. But this does mean that everybody else can circulate at a more sedate speed. Less of a chance of you falling off in the wet weather. And this will get you to or closer to the pit lane windows, you say. Let's just have a quick look where some of these battles are going to be when we get back to green flag racing. I don't think it'll be long before that happens. Tony Wells is now right with Richard Mines uh, in a battle for third position between 23 United Autosports and the number two in Courier Cost Nielsen car with Alistair McCaig only another eight seconds further back. Right, so whilst we have this slight interval in proceedings, let's go down to the Lannan Racing Garage, have a catch-up with Duncan Tappy, who's now with Charlie George. Well, Duncan, after such a brilliant qualifying from Michael, it's been a bit too eventful for you guys, hasn't it, so far? Yeah, you could say that. Um, I, I feel a bit, a bit sorry for Mike, you know, because we've had a, a stonking a Friday and Saturday morning, you know, we were quickest in both FP sessions yesterday and he did an amazing job in qualifying. You know, they weren't easy conditions. And we were just, you know, if it was wet or dry, we know we had the pace, but in those tricky conditions at the beginning there, it's so hard for these AMs to, to feel it. You know, it's not what they do day in, day out. So mistakes happen and, it, and it's just caught him out. It, it could have happened to any one of them on the grid there. Like you say, the conditions are really, really difficult out there. How can you prepare as an AM driver for conditions like this where everything's changing every minute? The thing is, when it's like these conditions, when it's intermediate and, you know, not very nice, they tend to not want to test in those conditions or practice, quite rightly so. It's, you know, it's quite high risk. So it's hard to teach. But all I do as a, as a coach to Mike is to try and give him as much information as possible. Um, but it's... 
braking for the first corner and you know when you're on slicks and it's cold and it, it's really really tough so you know since he just it, it's a case of just trying to keep it on the track and, and stay out of trouble and it's just not gone our way today thank you cheers very honest assessment there from Duncan Tappy, who shares the number 25 car with Michael Benham. The car is still in the race, we should make the point, and it's still circulating 16th, uh, 16th place. 13th in class. Now, you still get points, well, half a point for that, and uh, if you can get into the top 10 by the finish, it's a few more than that, of course. They're not going for the championship. They're a little bit too far back for that, but... They clearly want another race win before the season is out. They didn't start the, the campaign too well with a couple of non-finishes, but they are fifth in the championship with that cracking win at Le Mans and a couple of sixth-place uh, finishes too. I'll tell you something. They're a crew that if that stays together and they come back for a second crack at this next year, I'll be putting them on my list of potential favourites for the title. Yeah. Because they really have shown some real pace and he's absolutely right not only could it happen to an, uh, anybody on that grid it happened to most of them actually there were at least five or six of the uh, LMP3 cars that did suffer um, a somewhat rotary moment and the exposure that a front row star uh, brings though as well because you are the first person on the track and obviously everyone else can react if they see a car skating off going straight on at the source and everybody can break a little bit earlier than they were planning to and you look the fool but that's not the, the right assessment really and Mikey Benham then with another moment at uh, Raddy on corner he did so well to recover it from there and continue on they might still get a top 10 you never know we're going to be out of this full course caution ten, in five, 10 seconds and here eight, is the countdown from seven, Eduardo 6 5 4 3 2 1 track is back to green track is back to green please be advised of cold tyres that was the CD Sport squad, by the way, just wrestling with the engine cover as the graph machines switch places. So that is Adrian Trier getting ahead of Adrian Schiller. The ninth? Uh, yes, for ninth position. And the other graph car way down in 18th spot. So this is the best place of the French machines. And Adrian Trier, we know, started from the second row. So really should be fighting for positions better than ninth spot. Next job, then, is to try and hunt down Jean-Ludovic Foubert, and the gap is only 4.7 seconds. This is Tony Wells, right with Richard Means, and Alistair McCaig has, has, has also drawn much, much closer this battle. Is Wells going through here? I think he is. This is going to be a change for third. On the inside of the exit of the source, down the hill they go towards Eau Rouge, and Mines is going to give him some racing room, and, yes, gets the place, does Tony Wells. So that'll be third position, finding some traction on the exit of Eau Rouge. And next in the queue is Alistair McCaig then to make it Akira Koss back into the top, both of cars, back into the top four. Can he get that move done down Little the Camel Straight? Back, but he's certainly quicker than Richard Means at this point in the race. Alistair looking to keep out the spray if he possibly can. Have to duck in to take the apex. Not quite there yet for him, but looking very racy. And he's pulled back some seven seconds on the uh, car ahead of him over the last couple of racing laps at least and looks to the inside again he's going to do it there, he does indeed made sure that Richard had seen him coming and that was neat and tidy stuff from Alistair McCaig who just getting better and better in this uh, LMP3 game more and more confidence in the machine and that really shows yeah so that is now 2 and 79 3rd and 4th positions with 
Richard Mines trying to hang on. There's no immediate pressure from behind, although Jens Pettersen has now worked his way back up to sixth place. That's a combination of one or two falling off around, but also some pit stoppers too, and some movement down at DKR Engineering as well. We're about nine minutes away from the pit lane window opening for everybody's mandatory stop. Meanwhile, the eight car of Sergio Pianazzola now putting a lap on the number four car, which is stowed last, sadly, for John Chowman. And that Ligier, which has been in for a minute stop-and-go penalty, of course. Chowman, who shares with Nico Ronde of France. Bronze and silver rated combo with the silver still to come. Who else do we look out for? that maybe may be able to make some inroads to the top six, let's say. Well, Pettersson has taken a while to get there, but he's just about in the top six now. Adrian Truyer set to gain some ground. I'm sure Adrian will be kept at the wheel of that car for as long as possible, up to 64, 65 minutes. And uh, I think we could uh, give you another reason for the somewhat dour outlook on prospects the number 25 car from Duncan Tappy I think he knew what was coming another drive through penalty for speeding in the pit lane for I've no doubt a fired up Mike Benham oh dear so that will be a third visit to the pit lane even before they've reached the window and Duncan Tappy I suppose will just uh, have the leash taken off and we'll see what he can do in the number 25 car to try and pick up some of these pieces here's the DKR engineering machine then leading the championship by a significant margin it's a 46 and a half point lead over Ikiriakos's number 79 car they're preparing itself Leonard Hugenboom then with three wins to his and Jens Pettersson's name so far this season and they're in the box seat to again extend potentially their championship because the 24 is not a championship regular front-runner. They won't be too concerned about that. Alex Kapadia's car probably set to go back down the order once Ross Warburton takes over because Ross can't offer the same sort of speed as the Bedfordshire man, although he's getting quicker with every race and there's battling out on track here between the two team machines. So needing to be a little bit careful here, the Acuria Cos entries with two, who is Tony Wells, just ahead of car 79, Alistair McCaig. So still have James Littlejohn and Colin Noble to come in these cars. Second place car in the championship is the fourth place car on the road in the overall order and the second in this pair of Recurria Cost cars. No team orders, though, certainly at this point uh, for these. And it is going to be about these guys keeping Jens Pettersson back and just hoping their day goes from bad where it started to worse for DKR Engineering to give them some kind of hope of a tilt at this title of the season finale at Portimao even if the 79 car can win this race therefore gets maximum points I still think a top 7 finish will be fine for DKR Engineering remember that's a top 7 in class yes not top 7 overall because 7th overall at the moment is a GT car that's right uh, but 6th place would do it change has come so uh, third now not second for number 79 car it's been a great run from Alistair McCaig don't think Tony Wells did much around defending that. Now, the number 30 car is leaving the pits. Or is it going back to its... It's got to be going round yeah, the back. Endurance There's no pits. way. So it's left the Grand Prix pit lane. Yes, it's it now has. gone down to the endurance pit lane, which, of course, is where CD Sport and the team are based. 
and any hope to re to replace that rear deck will have to be done down there anyway. Oh. Stepping well and truly out of shape is Alistair McCaig there, but he caught it. Yeah, had a hold my beer moment there, didn't he? <laughs> Dear me. Or hold my Edinburgh Gin, I think, is the, uh, is the sponsor on the side of the car. Staring out of the side window briefly down the main start-finish straight. There we go. Did he catch the kerb on the inside? Yes, no, he the did. Outside, wasn't yeah, it held up beautifully, though, actually. Absolutely. There's a drifting champion uh, in the offing there. Is there a Scottish drifting championship? I'd like to think there probably I'd is. I'd like to think there is. Yes. As the 79 then heads through Eau Rouge, it's still very damp there as well. And Tony Wells pushing as hard as he can, but Alistair McCaig starting to disappear up the road. Under 10 minutes from the halfway mark, and we start to see, I'm sure, on pit lane, teams moving towards getting ready for their pit stops. So, for a seventh place finish for DKR Engineering, they would go on to 94 points from 88 at the moment. And then even a race win for Ikuria Cost Nielsen, their 79, would put them too far away. So, yes, it is a top seven finish. And at the moment, DKR Engineering are sixth. So they are on course, despite, let's face it, a bit of a nightmare start to their race. We are only three and three quarter minutes away from the pit lane window opening. And this is lap 19 for Antonin Borger coming out of Eau Rouge and Randion and back onto the Kemmel Strait, spurting water up to several feet in the air and staring down the Kemmel Strait. I mean, it's like early morning fog now. You cannot see the car until it emerges into that final third of the Kemmel Strait. So goodness knows what visibility is like on board the car as, again, Antonin Borger squirrels his way through Le Comte. Uh, excellent stuff with watching these two battling. Excellent stuff, by the way, from uh, Alistair McKay. Not a million miles away from the lap times in the wet, the two pro drivers ahead. A couple of seconds in it. Typically, at the moment, 245s, 246s for the gentleman drivers. 241 for Alistair McKay, 244 for Tony Wells. So McKay is doing all he can to give Colin Noble every possible chance of getting the maximum possible points here. Was this an overtake on John Ferrano's car, number 14? Yes, it was, as the graph machine with uh, several new panels on that after that was damaged earlier on in the weekend. Francois Herriot jumping from Ultimate and the ELMS regular seat. And he's still in that team and that championship this weekend, but getting some extra driving for his money this weekend and uh, Francois Rio in at the Graf in their 65 car so they are 15th having just taken the spot from Ferrano 16th place and Michael Benham in behind and that third stop therefore a drive through has just been served from Benham Benham down into 15th spot in class 17th overall in the Lannan car I'm sure at this point just wants to get out and get another cup of tea <laughs> Um, yeah, Duncan Tappy, meanwhile, will be relishing the, the potential to attack here. There you go again. It's uh, a change of position. Ahead of 20. Yep, so it, that was Foubert losing the spots. Uh, Jean-Ludovic Foubert for DB Autosport. Now trying to fight back on the little short straight between the bus stop and La Source corner. And Foubert decides at discretion is the better part there and doesn't run Schiller close into the apex maybe concentrating on the exit speed from turn number one might have a better opportunity at the end of the Kemmel straight 
So Jean Ludovic Fubert sharing with Nicola Morlini this weekend at DB Autosport. Adrian Schiller with his silver graded teammate Marc Antoine Danilou. And we are going to see pit stops taking place in a minute's time then. And they'll all be done in the Grand Prix pit lane rather than where the teams are actually based in the endurance pit. So they have to take tyre trolleys and other bits of equipment and work in a satellite fashion on the, uh, the flat pit lane much earlier on in the lap, of course. Off into the gravel. Uh, is that Alex Capaldia? Okay. Again, it's a similar shot to what we were offered last time. Uh, it's not the right paint scheme for John Ferrano, I don't think. Unless it was Michael Benham again. Not enough red. OK, there's more red on the back of the 25, is there? So it's one of the RLRM sport machines. I'd be surprised if it was Capardi yet, but uh, everybody susceptible to the odd mistake in these conditions. We'll keep an eye on that. Um, it was Capardi's no, last Cap lap time. Capardia's last sector time was absolutely bang on, so it wasn't Capardi. And a 238.1 wasn't that much slower than Antonin Borger. Meanwhile, Borger in traffic now, dealing with Jean-Ludovic Foubert. And this all action from a few moments ago with the 65 scrapping for 12th position and managing to get by Francois Herriot. No, get, getting by the 22 of Jim Maguire, rather. And that was for position, with Ferrano tucked in behind. There is John Ferrano in the... Vanuta-backed machine. Vanuta still to come, of course. That could be interesting. Yes. We haven't seen much of young Hubert in the wet. Might be a bit of an eye-opener. He's been uh, in the class of the field in terms of the pace available. As in comes EB Motors Porsche. Stops beginning now, EB Motors in. United Autosports 23 in for Richard Means. First two stoppers within the pit window. Yes, and although we've had Ferraris stop in GT3, they haven't yet made their mandatory pit stop for a driver change. The eight car is partway around the lap at the moment. In fact, starting another lap. So eight stays out, the GT3 leader. And here is the championship leader, DKR Engineering's Jens Pettersson. Now this is one to watch, seventh place or better. In the class, will secure the championship for this squad. A race early. Is that going to happen? Well, they're giving Leonard Hürgenboom the maximum possible time to be able to help to achieve that. And after that uh, first lap, whoopsie, it's been a very good steady run from Jens Pettersson. Albeit, I just forgot for a moment, uh, the run wired out of Puan as well. Uh, come back with the pro aboard it's going to be an attack to the finish that was a leaving the track backwards at Puan as well it wasn't, it wasn't a small moment nope. but uh, thankfully kept it out of the scenery and the car well I'm sure they didn't approach this race thinking top seven would do it they were one wanted to have won or at least got a top three there's also a concern now for the uh, car number 50 brought in by Sultanov Murad Sultanov being pushed forward and backwards in the pit lane, but Kessel Racing, rather Spirit, uh, yeah, Kessel Racing missed his pit stall. Okay, it's not that they're trying to rock the car to get it restarted or anything like that. And Sultanov then will be handing over to Matteo Cressoni, the 33 year old Italian. 
more or less the entire midfield, by the way, in together. Everybody from 10th down to 18th is on pit road right now. Very, very busy indeed to have, well, obviously, 24 cars start this race, and they're all pitting close to one another. There is the Lannan machine, number 25. Mike Benham will be getting out of that one. If there was a dog there to kick, he would be kicking it. It's not that sort of bloke. Duncan Tappy, though, will be getting in and relishing the opportunity to attack this race, I'm sure. As the DKR Norma is back on the move, just out of shot. Andrea Pacini taking over the 77 Ferrari. We haven't yet seen Sergio Pianazzola in, though, for his mandatory stop. Here comes Sergio now through Blanchemont. So there's this opportunity and possibly one more. If he wants to leave it another lap. And why not leave it another lap with Sergio Pianazzola very oh, much enjoying himself. off at Le Combe. And... Who driving that? Francois Aereo still yet to hand over to his co-driver, Damien Delafosse. Third, fourth and fifth in. That's Alistair McKaig after an excellent stint from him. Same applies to Tony Wells in the second of the Akuri Cross cars. 79 and two are in. 39 Graf is in. 40 Graf is in. In the hands of Trier and Chila. So that's uh, third down to what was sixth. All pitting. Tyre pressure is being checked on those wet weather Michelin tyres on the 77 Ferrari. Meantime, up to third overall right now is the GT leader. <laughs> yes, because Pianazzola didn't even pit at the end of that lap. So happy he is. So we're over the hour mark now, and the lion's share of this race then going to be done by Sergio Pianazzola. But I'm sure Giacomo Pacini, with the bit between his teeth, wanting to get stuck into these conditions. But 48-year-old Italian Pianazzola wants to win this championship uh, off his own back, off his own talents, no doubt. And a race win would do it. Side by side, very nearly. This is for 11th position between Leonard Hugenboom and Nicola Molini. Brand new drivers in the number three and the 20 cars, respectively. Both on their outlaps, so with tyres in very similar conditions. And I uh, suspect it's just at the moment Hugenboom just taking his time get what heat he can back into those tyres finding where the grip levels are not taking terribly many chances and, and from where he is at the moment he's 11th overall he's 10th in class needs to pick up three places in class to take the title today huge chunk of oversteer coming out of Lafania corner there well mopped up by the Dutchman speaking of which uh, Jot van Utert due to take over the 14 car at any moment from John Ferrano. That car is currently in the pit lane and being serviced. Yeah, and we'll uh, leave the pits uh, having uh, pitted from ninth, that car. Yes. Or it aided a little by the, some of the cars ahead of him pitting earlier. Yes, but Ferrano has had a jam-packed uh, stint there. So much action, not really knowing what was going to happen next. But uh, at least he got the car to the end of the stint, unscathed. And now Jokman Utert, who's been unearthed this season as a real talent in the Michelin Le Mans Cup, still only 19 years old, as I say, also from the Netherlands. Let's watch what happens next year. My understanding is that's a young man in some demand next year on a variety of machinery. And wait to see what emerges for his career. Meantime, and there are outlaps now amongst the batch of pro drivers released Connor Noble number 79 James Littlejohn number 2 Curry Cross Nielsen cars in comes the leader 58 minutes to go Borger out of the car 
Yeah, and this na- this car with three names on the roof, but Iraj Alexander not here this weekend, so it's Alexandre Quani and Antonin Borger, the two Swiss drivers doing the driving, and Quani to do the second stint. Yeah, GT leader also on pit road right now. And that needed to be done sooner rather than later because we've only got two minutes to go. And remember, the new driver has to be at the wheel for 55 minutes or more. So you've got to allow, obviously, the pit stop to take place. The driving time for driver B only starts when the car leaves the pit lane. Right, Alex Capardio has gone through. There's also a little bit of sticky tape or similar going on the bottom of that windscreen wiper so maybe a concern that that windscreen wiper wasn't doing its job Capardia, okay, onto another lap and what sort of lap times are they doing? Two and a half minutes or so, this could be tight for the 59 RLRM Sport crew as the tyres are being changed now on the number 8, it is wet for wet now they're just switching one side of t- tyres to the other, you know, from rear right corner to front left, maybe, or are they brand new set? I'd imagine it's a brand new Looks set. Very new. Uh, so that's for the eight and the twenty-four. These are race leaders. Eight on course for a championship, of course. Remember, and the three, which is now back in the race, driven by Leonard Hugenboom, wanting to get back into the top seven in class to ensure the required number of points. Here's Alex Capardia, the new race leader. Then indicator flashing, interestingly. But Alex down towards Pouin, he goes, and they have to pit on this this uh, lap to ensure that Ross Warburton can take it over. Here he comes. So up towards Lafania goes the Bedfordshire-based driver. Only a few more corners to go, and we've got a minute and 15 left on the clock. This is going to be very tight to ensure that Ross Warburton can be at the wheel for 55 minutes. I'm now going to check the wording of the sporting regulations just to see uh, whether I'm right in this. It might be, of course, that uh, I'm pretty sure that the the, the non-pro, the bronze, has to do a minimum of 55 minutes, but I'll check that now. Well, away goes the number 24 car with the number 4 car, I think, right behind him. Indeed, he does. Three car, rather, right behind him. I think that is the DKR car. What's happened there to the cool racing car? Um, getting a replay now of the eight machine. Oh, that's just the uh, the astonishing <laughs> acuity of the mechanic handling both wheels, wheel in each hand. Not an easy thing to do. Certainly not. No. Just so, trying to work out what was actually going on there. If that's the twenty-four car coming out of the gloom. Uh, yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it is. That's sorry, that's DKR on. Is it unlapping itself? Surely not. Well, uh, 200, sorry, rather, uh, 23 laps. Sorry, done. they've had a very long pit stop, haven't they? 225, yes. That's what's happened. That is, I, I think that is the three car. Well, the, the minimum pit stop time is 140 seconds, by the way, so that's only five seconds slower than it needs to be. Uh, so I'm comparing like with not like, because the earlier pit stops, of course, weren't time yes. pit stops, were they? Correct. But the minimum pit stop for a mandatory stop has to be has to be two minutes twenty or longer. This is Capardia's car that is in, and they need to get well. They have to get this car back out again to ensure 
a minimum drive time of 55 minutes. And just reading the regulations, the minimum maximum driving time for each crew member may be altered by the dedicated committee, blah, blah, blah. Well, that does not relevant. But it is, crucially, whether you're a bronze or a silver or a gold, you've got to drive 55 minutes. Well, there are 54 minutes remaining, and that car is not rolling. No. So... I was right to be concerned. There's also some attention now from RLRM Sport to the rear of that car. Now, has Ross Warburton maybe elected not to do his prerequisite driving time purely because he's getting more and more experience behind the wheel of this car and wants to take it easy? So maybe he said, Alex, you do a little bit more. We'll take the penalty. They're not in with a chance of winning this year's championship and therefore here to... But that could have a bearing on the championship title. Yes, it could. DKR up to seventh in class now. That's where they need to be. But if this does lead to a penalty for 59, that effectively will become sixth. Yes. And with a bit of a, a buffer then. True enough. It depends uh, how Ross gets on in amongst generally quicker competition. Because bear in mind, Colin Noble is the silver. He's driving 79 up to third place now. James Littlejohn, also a silver-graded driver, and there are cars still to come through, like Hugenboom, Nicola Molini, not short of speed, Damien Delafosse, now at the wheel of Graf 65, and the number 40 car is driven by Antoine Danilou, a silver-rated 26-year-old. So all these drivers can offer a bit more speed, and theoretically things are con going to concertina up at the head of the order. Ross Walton leaves the pits with just under 53 minutes left on the clock. And uh, just looking at the moment at the kind of pace we're seeing from these leading cars. A cool racing asked in the lead, Alexander Poigny. That was, I think, the three car going back onto the lead lap. And certainly that was correct. That's what we saw is that Hogan uh, Boom was going by Poigny. Uh, going on to the lead lap. Well, this is now a battle for position with Hugenboom trying to find a way by Eric Trier. So father taking over from son Adrian and immediately under pressure here, the number 39 car. Also just ahead is Christian England. That's for position as well. Yeah. This is a posi this positional battle for fifth, sixth and seventh. Christian England being taken over from Richard Means. So Hugenboom stands to do his title chances a huge amount of good here if he can safely pass these two cars ahead as the Graf racing car doesn't wait for the opportunity uh, to be offered to the DKR car it's going to sort itself out to suit both the Normas because DKR threw on Christian England who already lost the place to Trillier so now sandwiched between the two is Hugenboom and sort of toying with a little bit of disaster here. They don't want to be in amongst traffic for too long. Remember, a top seven finish would do it as far as the championship is concerned, but it's very easy to knock a corner off your car in amongst traffic and in amongst so much spray. Eric Trier just up ahead. Leonard Hugenboom needing to bide his tie. Always way wide at that of coming out of Blanchemont corner. And then up towards the bus stop. Still in line from the Graf car. Hugenboom maybe spots his need chance. to do this. To abreast into that corner. There's a bit of contact, I think. Because I think you're right. There's a, maybe a smidge of bit of damage now on the left-hand side. Hugenboom pressurising Truier. 
this position would be absolutely fine. Sixth place, maybe. The thing going through his mind is I'm safer in front of Eric Truier. Yeah, he's done that. And he now gets the move done, but there's definitely a little bit of damage on that front left corner. Twitching all the time, Eric Truier, out of the source, scrambling around for grip. And seventh place, therefore third of those that little group of three cars, is... Uh, the Christian England car. There wasn't contact. That was my mistake. No touch. It's a little bit of sponsorship, actually, that I was confusing for contact. So point, point to be confirmed, remember, is that they only need that seventh yes. if the 79 wins. Uh, yes. Good uh, point, too. Now, at the moment, uh, that, uh, that uh, result is a minute and 36 seconds back. Colin Noble is attacking a minute and 46 second gap with Ross Warburton and Alexander Poigny ahead of him. He is much quicker than either of those two drivers. To the tune of seven seconds a lap on the leader, Poigny, at the moment. So looking pretty good for a race win, potentially, for the Curiacost Nielsen crew. That is within range. Hugenboom uh, looking very comfortable indeed. Poigny, Warburton... Noble, the top three, Cool Racing, RLRM Sport and Akira Cost Nielsen, but the fastest of the three should be Colin Noble, and the initial lap times would suggest things are in favour now of the Edinburgh-born driver. Meanwhile, up the inside comes Giacomo Piccini, having taken over the number eight Kessel Racing Ferrari from Sergio Pianazzola, and this car still 11th overall. Yep, now 10th, I think. I think that was a change for position. I think he's just come past Damien Delafosse wow. for the 10th position in the 65 Graf Norma. That's a great effort again, and uh, it's just a case that these GT3 cars have more mechanical grip than the LMP3s that are far more reliant on the downforce, of course, and that air flowing over the car. If it doesn't do so at such a rate of knots in these wet conditions, then the GTs all of a sudden are more favourable. Let's grab this opportunity to have a word with Alex Capardia, who's down in the pit lane with Charlie George. Well, Alex, it was uh, fairly hairy conditions out there. You were in the unique kind of situation of being one of the pros. How did you find it? Uh, exciting, interesting to be fair. Um, we sort of banked on it being dry today, so we'd gone for quite a low downpour setup to try and help us overtake, which wasn't ideal out there, but it was good fun. And um, now we've just put a bit more wing on for Ross to try and get it back to where it needs to be in the wet. So hopefully he can go out there and, uh, and keep us up there. Now, there's been some discussion about the driver time remaining for Ross now. What's your take on that? So my understanding is we have to come into the pit lane and cross the timeline on the entry to the pit lane by 65 minutes, which I believe we did. So I think we were, we were legal. Has Ross got much experience in these conditions? Uh, well, unfortunately, he had to go back to England uh, between the test day and uh, the Friday morning session where it was wet. So it's actually the first time he's driven in the wet. So it could be quite interesting for him. But he drove here last year in the wet, but it's, it's a different, different beast this year. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's wait and see. I mean, for, True. Well, let's hope he's right. We don't want to see anybody of losing course. out on a race uh, finish. But that's not how I read the regs, because uh, it says minimum drive, 55 minutes. Um, we'll wait and see what happens there. Uh, but uh, this isn't a strategy that says, uh, you know, from RLR to say, we'll keep the car, de we'll keep Alex deliberately at the wheel of the car for slightly longer. They are trying to get this car home under the regulations so we'll see how things are read by the race director Eduardo Freitas and obviously the RLRM sport crew down the Kemmel straight with 47 minutes to go goes a battle for uh, well there's the Ferrari with the pink detailing on the nose and it's tucked in behind uh, 
Marc-Antoine Danilou again, ninth and tenth positions on the road, and is the car up ahead also in the fight? That might be the Christian England car. No, I don't think no, it is. Not. That's 24. Uh, okay, that's, so that is the that's the leader, Alexander Kwani, who would be wise to let these cars through actually, because they're they're not racing for position here. These are cars a lap down, so effectively trying to get that lap back again, which Mark Antoine Danilou does now, and the Ferrari almost running into the back there of the overall race leader. Alexander Kwani struggling for any sort of traction. These are the two leaders together, the, the, and, and potentially oh, well, the, the one car there that can take the title here. Yeah. And, and the other car can't because it's had a bit of a nightmare season, but 12th in the championship, and this would be a first win of the year, first podium of the year, with the best result prior to now of fourth spot. Meanwhile, at the end of the Kemmel straight, Jot van Uter trying to dart up the inside there of Matteo Cressoni, and the, the door was slammed shut in the Dutchman's face, so he has to bide his time once more. 14th at the moment for Jot van Uter, 13th in LMP3 after a traumatic opening part of the race for John Ferrano. Hoping to do what he can to get back onto terms. That would have been a move for position as well, although those cars are obviously in different classes. But it is Kwani leading by Ross, from Ross Warburton by 37.1 seconds then. And then the gap coming down between Warburton and Noble. 10 seconds a lap. Yeah. So you look at uh, 48 seconds as the difference at the moment between car 79 and 59 and think that's a huge gap. But it's going to come down at a massive rate of knots. And Jot van Utert on the ragged edge of adhesion there, finding the other RLRM Sport car of Ross Warburton. So Jot van Utert about to unlap himself as well on the second-place runner, Ross Warburton. They are virtually nose-to-tail. Ross, hopefully sensing that the sister car is right behind, will give... Got an Uter racing room. And it's the Uter backed car then, driven by the young Dutchman, who will no doubt try and get by at the bus stop chicane. Ross Warburton, yes, gives him plenty of room there on the run into the corner. And will now swing, they both will swing right and left through the bus stop. And that's so difficult. Everything steamed up. Mirrors, windscreen, very busy up there. All you're really seeing in your mirrors is just a ball of spray with maybe the hint of a headlamp. No yeah. clue, unless you're very, very lucky as to which car it is that's coming. You're relying on whoever it is talking to you in your headsets to give you that kind of information. So Ross has let him go. Away goes, goes uh, Jotvanutet. And there may not be in this scenario any blue flags either because the 59 is ahead of the 14 in this scenario. Yep has been taken over by a faster driver and it just so happens that that car wanted to unlap itself but very little time lost by either runner and both are unskirmished it's still just as wet as it was maybe an hour or so ago 43 and a half minutes to go keep an eye on those gaps by the way Kwanyi at the moment 40 seconds clear of Ross Warburton it's almost equidistant now with Colin Noble a further 40 seconds back. In terms of the, the lap times for those three, 2.47 last time around for Kwan Yi with some traffic. 2.52 for Ross Warburton, 2.39 for Colin Noble. So Noble is on the charge. He's bringing with him uh, James Littlejohn, who's about 16, 17 seconds back from the team car, the two Akira Cost cars in third and fourth. But uh, the bigger news for the championship is the DKR Engineering number three car in the hands of Leonard Hürgenboom is the next man back. He's fifth. He's 24 seconds back. He's catching both of them 
but not very quickly. And that is the best place Norm M30 currently as well. Uh, Hugenboom having recently got by Eric Trillier, who's also driving a Norma. Christian England, seventh in the standings with Nico Morlina for DB Autosport, now eighth ahead of Mark Anton Danilou. And incredibly still, the GT3 leader is in the top ten. Through Blanchemont then comes the number 20 four car the race leader with 65 tucked in behind and that is a car again of Damien Delafosse a little bit quicker in this stage of the race than the race leader Alessandro Quani let's see whether those places are reversed on the main start finish straight good drive out of the bus stop she came from Quani the race leader Delafosse with company as well Dino Lunardi tucked in behind in the Motorsport 98 car with the Panini sticker album backing this weekend they switch places do they know that that is a position behind uh, the the class leader the race leader by the way the 65 and 98 are battling for 11th place and indeed 10th in class yeah and Lunardi going quicker in that car than it has managed all race with a, a personal best for the car through sector one for Lunardi so currently 12th position chasing 11th spot and they have the race leader overall just ahead they're fanning out into all sorts of different trajectories I was about to say the 65 must go straight on it can't get turned in and that will give the place then to Dino Lunardi although obviously the 65 continues good speed through that uh, runoff route didn't lose much did he? no no, absolutely not. I would have had to concede the place had he stayed out in front. Got the front left wheel on the kerb, but it was already a bit sideways before that. It was very lucky to keep that in a straight line, relatively speaking. And and what chance of it slamming to the right and into the side of the absolutely race leader? Right. So actually, some good avoidance driving there from Damien Delafosse. That won't have done the heart rate of Alexander Pony very much good. It'd be interesting to see what it did to his lap time as well. But, yes. Uh, Keeping an eye on those gaps. He is still pulling away from Ross Warburton. Colin Noble is rapidly catching uh, Ross Warburton. 40 minutes to go and more than 10 seconds there uh, disappear between Warburton and Noble. And James Littlejohn is coming at a similar rate of knots to Noble too. So very shortly, Ross Warburton will have a couple of Ecuria Cost Nielsen cars for company. Leonard Hugenboom lapping on one. Well, last time around, he was the quickest of all the top five cars. So Hugenboom on a bit of a tear as well in the best place, Norma. Out of the chicane comes Eric Trouillet running in sixth position with Christine England for company. More spray pouring off the back of that United Autosports car and turning right at the source, the 88 Porsche, fifth and final GT3 runner with Alessandro Bacani now doing the driving. That is the bronze-bronze Porsche, bear in mind. Paolo Venerossi starting it. Bacani, who qualified it earlier on today, taking the second stint. Although they have had a podium this year at uh, EB Motors' home race, Monza. 39 minutes approaching waiting for the leader race leader to cross the line to complete 28 laps the gap to Ross Warburton down just a tad 47 seconds but it is going out over time without that uh, scary bit in traffic there the gap remember was 40 seconds a little while ago to Colin Noble that's now 22.9 seconds so Noble is catching both he's certainly catching Warburton at a speed that is going to mean 
but that's going to be nose to tell before the end of this uh, well before the end of this race should have enough pace to get up into second can he though challenge for the overall race lead well there's time yet that's a bigger stretch yes uh, but uh, plenty still for this race to give you sense with the rainfall at the start of the race set to continue throughout it although maybe not uh, torrential rain all the way through spots of light rain here and there well this is set in now certainly for the next 15 minutes we have had a completely well near completely dry track now it is very miserable in all the corners of the spa francorchamps grand prix circuit drainage here pretty good and on wet weather tyres these cars look pretty manoeuvrable as well as the 88 car of Alessandro Bacani sensibly staying off the racing line and going through Lafania corner at a much reduced speed to allow 6th placed Eric Trier through but Christian England is finding speed and time all the time on the Frenchman up ahead this is a Norma versus Ligier battle remember for 6th and 7th and Nico Morlini, really not very far away either for DB Autosport. He's eighth. Through Blanchemont, those three cars go now with Alexandre Quani on lap 28, leading by the best part of a minute now. 52.7 seconds is the exact gap. Back to Ross Warburton, who's still in the 252s. Compare that to Colin Noble, again, a 239 that time around. They started this lap then with a 10-second difference between them. That could be down to absolutely nothing by the end of this tour. That was 12 seconds difference, uh, lap on lap, for Ross Warburton and Colin Noble. Ross hanging on in there, but as we heard Alex Capardia say earlier, no real experience from Ross in this car in these conditions. And this is a huge challenge, this track, in these conditions, if you're not used to them. Colin Noble, meanwhile is just ripping seconds out of that advantage and I think he's going to be with the second place car before the end of this lap we concur with that uh, also a change further down the order as Dino Lunardi's got ahead of Giacomo Puccini now not a place change in class but uh, Motorsport 98 are 10th and now into the top 10 overall with the GT3 leader 11th second place in GT3 down in 15th spot and third in GT3 is 18th just under 36 and a half minutes to go. Cracking battle here, by the way, for sixth between the 39 Graf Norma and Christian England. Just gathered up himself after a, a bit of a rocky minute or two aboard the Gulf Marine livery United Autosports car uh, 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 run Ligier and is now looking for a way by Eric Trudier. Rather mugged when it was time for Leonard Hugenboom to find a way through. Both the Normas were getting by, but uh, England has not dropped back from the draft car. DKR car's got away a little. A lot, 25 seconds from this battle. Over the line goes Ross Warburton. The gap at the line, 3.3 seconds now for second and third. So Colin Noble is all over the back of the RLRM Sport car. That machine piloted initially by Alex Capardia from 23rd up to eventually lead the race. There's just a bit of a question mark for me as to whether the drive time will be correctly adhered to. 55 minutes is the general rule, and that's your... Each driver has to do a minimum of 55 minutes. And if that is the rule, and I'm reading it correctly, then Ross Warburton won't have been at the, car, at the wheel for that long. It's a per perfectly good question, by the way, asked uh, on Twitter by a couple of people. that says, uh, well, what if, actually, 
if the uh, checker flag comes out behind you, you do almost a full lap. It's two and a half minutes. You therefore potentially have driven 55 minutes. Yeah, and uh, the race time would tally with that, certainly. And it means that m may well be the reason why that's not being called. Oh, yes. No, it wouldn't be called yet because, you know, who knows what might happen in the remainder of the race. Here's the battle for second position, though. Ross Warburton takes the line. Colin Noble looking for a safe way by, and that's the wise thing to do at this stage. Oh, that's the dangerous thing about running it very, very close, is that a decision wouldn't be made until the race is over. Absolutely right. Uh, and then there may be a right to uh, uh, appeal it, but it's a matter of fact, is drive time, unfortunately. Here comes Noble, then up the inside of Puan Corner. And Ross Warburton did make a, a huge meal of that and knew, really, that uh, Colin Noble was faster, so gave him the racing room and falls to third position. 56 seconds is the gap for the leader now. We'll keep an eye on that one. But... As we do that, let's get a word of maybe the mood in the camp down at Kessel Racing. Charlie George is down there right now. Yeah, I'm down here with Sergio. Sergio, a, a fantastic race from you so far. I mean, you qualified on pole position. You made that all look very straightforward. And this is your first time racing here at Spa. Yeah, it is. It has, I mean, it has been a very difficult stint. Probably the most difficult since I started uh, to race on the racetrack. And uh, at the beginning, the right choice was to start with the uh, slick tires, despite it was raining. Then was uh, looking that it was becoming dry again. Then it started to rain. I think also the decision that uh, I took to pit in the in that lap was the right one. So that gave us the, the, the chance to increase the advantage and uh, for the rest I tried to keep uh, a good rhythm uh, having uh, I mean uh, uh, trying to keep safe from the others and uh, to, to stay out of trouble despite it was very difficult because the conditions were changing lap by lap I mean this uh, uh, this rain is gonna move in and uh, I mean you were driving one corner and the lap after the conditions were completely different so it has been uh, uh, scary and uh, exciting, uh, but when the engineer called me back on the pit lane for the change, I was, uh, you know, much lighter on my stomach. We thought it was only fair to arrange proper spa weather for your first time. Um, very relieved to get out of the car and looking really good for the championship for you guys. I mean, still, I think... 25, 30 minutes to go, and uh, uh, we were doing the race on uh, on, uh, on our contenders. I mean, car uh, number 51, Ulrich and Mediani. And at the moment, everything is running well. And uh, even for the team that did, uh, as usual, a massive job, giving us a fantastic car. We did work uh, very well during the the, the, the the test and the free practice. I really want to thank you. Okay. Castle team and uh, the engineer, all the guys that really are working very hard. So this is uh, this really is a, a, a teamwork. So we are just the last actors, Giacomo and myself. So the ones that uh, are driving the car on the racetrack, but there is a, a huge job behind. So fingers crossed. And uh, if it's going on in this way for us, uh, I think will be a good evening tonight. Go and have a sit down. Thank you. <laughs> Sergio Pianazzola, who uh, is in a great position here for the championship with co-driver Giacomo Pacini on course for 111 points from the 25 that they would gain. And the other good thing from their point of view is that Spirit of Race, the team that he mentioned, Ulrich uh, 
Christoph Ulrich doing the opening stint in that 51 car. Uh, they are down fourth position, so on course only for an additional 12 points. That and will I'll put 34 between them with only 26 still available. And unfortunately for the 51 car, I've got the team Kessel car in between them and not going to be very happy about giving them anything there. Um, that looked a very easy pass in the 39 car. Has the 39 got a problem? Would you, you just make a bit of a mistake there? It's lost a lot of momentum, and I think he's about to lose another place here to the charging number 20 car. Nicola Manini is about to go by as well, so it's, uh, it's the 39 car just seemed to stumble. Interesting. Well, we've seen plenty of that in this race so far. Some unexplained moments for the odd few. The other driver, by the way, in the 51 with Christoph Ulrich is Maurizio Mediani, now at the wheel. And a big happy birthday to Mediani, who's celebrating 50 years young. Is he? Yesterday. Fabulous. Yes. Very nice guy, so Maurizio Mediani. We've got Colin Brown, 30 years old today, and Mediani, 50 years old yesterday, as there was a change. That is the change for uh, seventh position, I think. It is seventh position. Grafkar drops back. Up to sixth goes Christian England. So... Just into the final half hour, Alexander Poigny still leads. Under 50 seconds clear now of Colin Noble. Noble closing by about five, six seconds a lap. Pretty tight, that, with a 50-second gap. Ross Warburton is dropping back into the clutches of James Littlejohn, and Littlejohn is with him now. That's the battle for third between the 59 RLRM Sport, the two Korea Cost Nielsen car. Then a further 14 seconds back is Leonard Hugenboom in the DKR Engineering Norma. Number three car, Little John, by the way, as I speak, does go through into third position for Kiri Boss 2-3 now. They need to be seventh if Noble can win. If Noble, well, either way, uh, as things stand right now, D-Car Engineering are in a championship winning position. Christian England, though, is pushing on. He's, as we say, passed back, uh, back past the number 39 graph car. DP Autosports 20 is also passed the 39 car. So it's England from Molini from Trullier. Then Dino Lenardi, he was charging along and is catching Trullier pretty quickly right now. Completing the top ten, it's the second of the Graf cars, number 40 cars, with uh, Daniello there. Eleventh is the championship leader and, well, at the moment looks on the way to that win for the championship, the number eight Kessel racing car, Giacomo Piccini, head of Matteo Cressoni in the number 50 Kessel car and the number 77 Kessel car with Andrea Older brother, Giacomo Puccini, to build there. And there is the 59 Ross Warburton car, now running in fourth position, started by Alex Capardia, remember? And car 59 just working its way through Lafayette corner, 0.2 of a second off the back of James Littlejohn. You still can't see anything down the Kemmel straight, but then emerging into sight at the very last moment is Mark Antoine Danilou in the fourth of the Norma M30s. We've got Norma's. Uh, in 5th, 7th, 8th and 10th currently and here is Giacomo Piccini keeping it off the curves, keeping it off the white lines, that's the sensible thing to do in these horrible conditions he doesn't need to put in supersonic lap times, just neat and tidy and solid and that will see them grab a championship and with it an invitation to the 2019 24 Hours of Le Mans will be a first ever for Kessel Racing as an individual entrant. Graham thinks that they might have an input in a, into a car and several, maybe several cars in the past. 
uh, under the guise of a, another entry. I have a feeling they handled his Scuderia Corsa car at Le Mans a couple of years ago. That's likely, certainly. And we do see that quite a lot, actually, with uh, teams uh, preparing cars, but under different entry titles. There's a chance that Kessel Racing have done that in the past. It'd be nice to see them as a, a proper full Kessel entry, though, next year, if indeed they can do it. And the other Kessel car, this number 50 machine, driven by Matteo uh, Cressoni then, uh, running around in second position. It's back to Kessel Racing 1-2-3. Three. The three-time winners of the Golf 12 Hours are the Swiss squad. Sadly, of course, with the non-starting number 71 Ferrari that took a significant chance of a win for AF Corsa out of the scenario a car crashed by Pierre Giuseppe Perizzini earlier on today in qualifying in a very very unusual moment where the car just snapped left with absolutely no warning for the Italian and stunk for me of a, of a massive failure on that Ferrari or maybe fluid being leaked onto a tyre the car speared left on the Kemmel strains of all places and straight into the barrier and was not repairable in time for the race. So that took the 70, 71 out of the equation and we were left with the EB Motors Porsche or the Spirit of Race Ferrari as a car that could be Kessel to this race win. 21 now retirement, that's the DB Autosport car, Jacques Wolf. We never saw uh, Jack's co-driver, Nicolas Schatz, at the wheel of that machine. And the other car that's been in the pit lane for a long, long time now and will be labelled a retirement, I'm sure, pretty soon. The 30 CD Sport car of Anthony Pons after that was backed into the wall just after Radion. I think it's here for Nutter looking for a way by the race leader to unlap himself as this is the 98 and 39 in a battle for position. Again, Lunardi picking off another place. I meant to mention him, actually. Because he's been steadily working his way up the order. He has. Meantime, another place uh, taken is for fourth position. Hergenboom has taken fourth position from Ross Warburton. Increasingly comfortable in championship positions for Hergenboom now. Uh, the, the lead gap, by the way, 40 seconds now. Colin Noble needs to find in 24 minutes and 42 seconds on Kwani. That is going to be right to the line. Is taking a brown four to five seconds out of the leading car. Yes. That's not a million miles away from schedule for that to be about right in the dying moments of this race. Yes, and on the odd occasion, it's as many as six seconds. Has, yeah. But it depends on what sort of traffic Kwani is having to deal with. Here is Kwani now being... Dealing with traffic. Yes. Of a different sort, that is... It's Van Uter, it wasn't is it? It's Van Uter unlapping himself from the leader, so it goes back onto the lead lap. Yeah, so car 14, still down in 12th position, but Jot Van Uta wasting no time at all to slither up the inside of the overall race leader at speaker's left. And Damien Delafosse still only 4.4 seconds away from Jot Van Uta. That'll be This will be Damien appearing now within tow. Possibly, the, yeah, it is the end race car, number 99, with new driver at the wheel, John Boris Shire now of France. 32 years old, sharing that N-race Ligier with Alain Costa, who we saw at the wheel for the opening best part of an hour. 23 and a half to go, and it is Alexandre Kwani leading by 39.1 seconds, but Colin Noble generally much, much faster to the tune of four or five seconds as a Ferrari gets by the 59 of Ross Warburton. That wasn't for position, but Ferrari 77 unlapping itself with Andrea P uh, Piccini 
driving that car third in GT3. Conditions utterly horrible out there. Drivable, raceable, horrible. <laughs> Obviously, as people become acclimatised to this grip, or rather lack of it though, it becomes slightly easier. At least you can um, associate yourself with a lap time that you're comfortable with and just don't push any more than that for any heroics. And that's, I'm sure, what a lot of these non-pro drivers have done maybe even being given a sort of delta lap time by the team and say just continue to punch that out yep. with consistency well that is exactly what I'm sure Colin Noble will be doing now he'll be told this is what you need to achieve you know, you're looking for a low 240 yep. and that should be enough to get you in a position to pressure for the overall lead in the dying minutes of this race yeah we need a little bit of time to actually pull off the overtake, of course, as well. Well, he's taken seven seconds out of the lead that time, around 33 and a half seconds. So I reckon that's ahead of his delta. We saw this last time when he had to attack a lead like this. And it might not have been Kwani last time, actually. It was uh, Red Bull Ring. I think it was a more or less identical thing in rather different weather conditions. So he attacked it beautifully, got the lead, pulled away, but then... Um, was that uh, instant on the well anti-penultimate turn I'm afraid that took him out of the lead and took that win away they are going to be desperate to take this one Kwani exiting Bruxelles now and Noble is part way down the Kemmel Strait in fact approaching Le Calm and the braking area right now so look, if he looks out of his right hand window he can probably see <laughs> down the hill there at the 24 32 seconds uh, so he's taken a further second one point uh, one and a quarter seconds in the first sector out of Bonnie's advantage it's not a foregone conclusion this yet not by any means 22 seconds separate Colin Noble from James Littlejohn they're lapping at about the same sort of speed and Leonard Hugenboom doing all that he needs to in the 2 minute 40s with no pressure from behind meanwhile Lenardi is looking for another position he's caught up Molini in the DB car for 7th and is looking to go through there too and the door is firmly closed oh. in the face of Lunardi there and Lunardi had to get out of the throttle he thought he had the corner but all of a sudden Molini said no you don't and uh, Nicola Molini is a silver rated driver from Switzerland sharing that car with Jean-Ludovic Foubert moment they stay in the same order but Dino Lenardi offering really good speed in this Motorsport 98 Ligier it's another Norma versus Ligier bat battle as they disappear into the fog the steam and the spray that is the Kemmel Strait right now uh, side by side as well between the N race car and the 65 and that is a place made up by John Boris Shire over Damien Delafosse and also skipping up ahead What's happening there? Now, that was Shire taking the place. The Duncan Tappy not very far away either for Lannan Racing in number 25. Yeah, Duncan's time's pretty good in the 240s. Kind of Venutet and Colin Noble sort of pace. It's obviously way back. That's very edgy. <laughs> this is still Dylan Lenardi looking for the possibility getting up the inside as they approach Puon. Not going to have space to do that there. six seconds by the way out of that lead Colin Noble under 20 minutes to go 27 and a half seconds is the gap it's becoming more and more doable isn't it yeah 
and obviously if he can get uh, a visible a visual on the, the car up ahead that will drive him on even further as still Dino Lenardi cannot get by Nicola Molini who's driving the widest DB Autosport Norma he can this might be the opportunity though down at Campus Corner and yes Dino Lenardi out muscling out positioning the 20 car and bags seventh position as a result so that is Motorsport 98 at their home race let us not forget Eric de Donka the 56 year old Belgian from Brussels and the man from Nîmes in southern France Dino Lunardi gets the place 18 minutes and 40 seconds to go LMP3 headed by number 24 with a 26 second cushion Alexandre Kwani for cool racing on course for a first victory as would be a career cost Nielsen Absolutely. second place is their best so far team coming on strong second places are becoming something of a trademark it's a trademark they don't particularly want <laughs> true yeah, they've been a second place actually for the other car as well. Number two of Tony Wells and James Littlejohn. A third position to kick off their year, and it's been two second places for the 79. Meantime, behind that pair, the Currygos Nielsen team, teams, plural, 11 seconds back now, Leonard Hergenboom in, well, DKR Engineering, looking ever more likely to go away from here with big smiles on their face. Uh, Christian England and Dino Lenardi, by the way, have both just gone by Ross Warburton, so it's another place earned for Lenardi. He's up to sixth position now. Warburton dropping to seventh place, and now will be cautious of the advances of Nicola Molini for DB Autosport. Because the 20 car, having just been overtaken by Dino Lenardi, is not very far away. Eric Truyer, the best of the graph machines, number 39, is ninth, ahead of Marc Anton Danilou, his teammate. And in 11th place overall, first of the GT3 cars remains Giacomo Pacini. And he has a very comfortable margin over Matteo Cressoni, also from Kessel Racing. Here's your battle for 7th place then, with the 20 car trying to find a way by, out of Bruxelles corner. And Ross Warburton finds the apex at speakers, a little bit oh. slow out though. And the big tail, wiggle. yeah, big wiggle from the rear of that RLRM Sport car. That will give the place to Morlini with not too much work necessary. Morlini now will not be a distraction for Ross Warburton, so Ross can get back into the groove again. He's hitting his marks, and again, I'm sure it's all about a delta time for him too. Just trying to nip the odd tenth of a second here and there to get faster than all we like. And it's very tricky in these conditions. This is it's really squeaky sort of time, isn't it? Championships at stake, race wins for the first time at stake, mm. podiums at stake. These are the things that matter when we're getting into the growing embers of a season. That is the race leader just allowing the M race car to unlap itself. So John, John Boris Shire is through and on his way. Little doubt in my mind that the Cool Racing team will be trying to time this back if they possibly can, giving Alexandre Coigny the best target they think he can achieve to try to take this race right to the end. The gap, though, is 20 and a half seconds. We have 15 and a half minutes to go. still sufficient time for Colin Noble to reel in Alexandre Kwani and really make Cool Racing work for this victory. It's why Kwani is staying out of the way of any trouble with tra uh, traffic trying to lap him. 
doesn't want to cause any unnecessary delay with defending to traffic that isn't even on the same lap as him. He might as well give them sufficient room to get by. Oh, big sideways moment there for Leonard Hugenboom. Fourth position is good enough for the championship. Even if the 79 and Colin Noble were able to catch and overtake Kwani, this would be sufficient. But pensive moments here for Jens Pettersson who is, well, cannot take his eyes from the screen there at DKR Engineering. It's an, another almost six-second gap on the last overall lap for Noble Kwanyi. The gap now 16 seconds with 14 and a half minutes to go. So Kwanyi about to cross the line in number 24 and pursuing is the 79 car, having to deal with traffic in a moment or two. So 24's already through that traffic. Colin Noble now got three cars up ahead of him that he'll have to work his way by and carefully. In fact, it's four cars right in front now between he and the source corner. So a very crowded house immediately in front of him. One of those cars is a Kessel Racing Ferrari, but not the class leader. The machine's second in that division. Just as Colin's clearing the source up over Radion, there's Alexander Poigny. It's getting close. Here's Giacomo Piccini leading the GT3 part of the race and a race win would do irrespective of other positions in the GT3 category. So they're doing all that they need to at the moment to get this championship sealed up with a round to spare. And it's a Kessel Racing 1-2-3 as we go. Spirit of Race 4th with Maurizio Mediani and Alessandro Bacani completes the GT3 lineup in the EB Motors Porsche started by Paolo Benarossi they are a bronze-bronze combination the car that is 12th in the championship coming here to Spa leads the way in LMP3 an unlikely result were it to get there but there's now only 11.8 seconds between Kwani the race leader and Colin Noble in second that's because the previous lap cost uh, Kwani a 2.48 as opposed to a 2.40.4 from Colin Noble but you're quite right Johnny there is still the question of traffic quite which of that traffic is going quicker than the leader at the moment we yet to see yes. it might not be all of those cars that need to be dealt with well there are two cars that Kwani will have to deal with very shortly one of them is the 88 Porsche from EB Motors the other is the Motorsport 98 car which I don't think he's going to catch actually because that's being pedalled very sweetly indeed by uh, Dino Lunardi but it's all about where Colin Noble is in amongst traffic that is going about the same sort of speed as him one of them's a GT car so he'll be able to get past the 50 Ferrari relatively easily and might have already done that no still tailing the 50 car of Matteo Cressoni. This is the critical point. He's got to, he has lost some time in traffic. He's lost three or four seconds on his regular lap time in yes. traffic. He's still catching the leader. It's under 10 seconds now. So this is the critical point for Colin Noble. He cannot afford to lose this time. Well, that was Cressoni going through. Meanwhile, this is the Lannan Racing, Norma. Oh, oh running just in the back of the 99. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a forced error, if you like. Twitched, lost uh, traction and just clattered the side at the rear of the other car. point I was going to make here, Johnny, is this, is this is part of the transition for a young professional, isn't it? If you could keep your head in traffic in these awful conditions and keep to the programme, mm. yes, you're going to drop a little bit of your rate of closing, but don't make the mistakes. Take the opportunities where and when you can and still win the race. That's a breakthrough drive. Yeah. 
Certainly is. 9.2 seconds now, the gap. Duncan Tappy having a moment with Jean, Jean Boris Shire, the Frenchman, for N race, and there's now damage being carried by car 99. Well, his pace is going off. That's another lap in the 48s for Poigny. Yeah, 2.48 from the Frenchman, 2.43 for the Scotsman. Colin Noble is James Littlejohn, still third and actually lapping quicker than both cars ahead of him. At that rate of closing, they're nose to tail in two laps, but there is the issue of, of, of traffic. It is still going to be tight here. Well, ahead of Colin Noble, down at Lecom and about to head to Bruxelles are two cars, one of which is the 65 of Graf and the other one might be... The number four, four Brookspeed. Yeah, so driven by Nico Ronde now, but Brookspeed way down in 22nd position. They shouldn't make a big issue of getting out of the way. We're going to see in a moment Colin Noble go there through. There he comes. He's almost, it's almost visual now. There's another car as well in between because uh, leader has gone by the EP Motors Porsche, but that's the gap. Underneath the Dunlop banner there was the leader coming across the... Uh, around the, the apex of what we think is now the Jackie X corner um, was Colin Noble. Yeah. So 7.8 seconds is the gap with 10 minutes to go. And that's the 22 car of Matt Bell, which is also... There's a car off. There's a car off the road. Now, which one is that? It might be Brookspeed, actually. It's a single-digit number, I reckon. And let's check them through the speed trap. There is a yellow flag at turn 11 to cover that moment. I just want to make sure we can call 24 through here and that it wasn't the race leader. 24 due into the final sector at any moment. We're still waiting for 24 to appear. It's not appearing, Graham. Oh, dear, 24. It's 24. It is the 24. Dear me. And you can see the disconsolate look there of Alexandre Kwani. He doesn't want to even talk to the marshals. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Backing it into the barrier. Kwani has destroyed the back end of that car. He gone, loses it. Oh, it, had gone, it had gone before the apex of the turn. <sighs> and that's oh, a big dear, hit. Oh dear. That's a big hit for Kwani. We hope he's okay, but the big the bigger deal obviously is that it's done so much damage to the car he can't even rejoin. And all of a sudden, cool racing, wave goodbye to a victory, and this is looking very, very good for a courier cost Nielsen. They're now 1-2. Right, 1-2, and also if it stays like this, and there's only nine minutes to go, the championship winners would be on the podium. Yes. So, I mean, what a way to Quanny's celebrate the, car. the championship. Yes, Quanny's he is. out of the car. It is done. Well, I figured that, to be honest, from the damage that had been done to the left side and the rear of that car. And what I was looking at, what I was beginning to get a bit twitchy about, full course yellow now for the recovery of that car. Had that come out and they determined that that would have been it for the race, it could have been very, very different. The fact that it's a 24 car in trouble, and now we go to full course yellow. Well, all of a sudden, uh, I'm sure the person that would be thinking uh, the best of this one is probably James Littlejohn, because he was being caught. Dino Lenardi, by the way, with Christian England for fourth position right now. Yes. Yes, and uh, you'll forgive our uh, moment of doubt there because I just saw that car from sideways on, from a distance, and the Brookspeed livery looks a little bit like that of Cool Racing. And it was a question of calling, calling them through the end of Sector 2 and into Sector 3, and the 24 did not appear. We had seen the 24 go through that bit of poo on OK, but then halfway around the corner, it skated off. I think he, I think he, he clipped the... Uh the curb on the outside and it was uh, it just standing water I think that's what's done it he's leaned on it a little just a little too hard he knew Colin Noble was coming we were at the point where it was finally visual and you've got a feel for that man these conditions awful conditions crushing
Um, it's not even as if they lost the lead on the last lap. They're no. not going to get a finish now. De- de- deserved and at least a podium for that performance. Uh, yeah, I, certainly so. And Kwani having now to work his way gingerly over the top of the tyres, trying to put a brave face on it. Antonin Borger deserves an awful lot of credit as well for getting the car into that sort of position. Uh, but the two Swiss drivers, without Iraj Alexander this weekend, uh, are going to have to go back to the team and console themselves in that little team network. But Cool Racing are on to something good for the future, as you've already mentioned. Race isn't over yet, so it looks like that might be a quick lift and maybe back to green flag running. Just a uh, report as well, another change. Yupanutet has gone up into the top ten, in fact ninth as the RLRM Sport car drops back further. So the RLRM Sport car of Ross Warburton drops a couple of places there. Um, the sister car, the 14, up into ninth overall. There is Sergio Pianazzola. Uh, he uh, started starting with a wry smile, I would suggest now. He's done all his hard work. And now the onus is on Giacomo Pacini to bring this Ferrari back home unscathed. And the more time that is taken up by the full course yellow, the better, I'm sure, for Kessel Racing who now will still run first, second and third in GT3. And there's a big, big margin between all three cars, actually, even under the full course yellow. Although Maurizio Mediani had been chasing down Andrea Piccini, only 4.3 seconds between them under the full course yellow. So that could be lively for the final step of the podium between Kessel and Spirit of Race. Jot Barutert heading into the bus stop chicane now with five and a half minutes to go it should be a relatively quick recovery but how many more minutes are we going to have for racing conditions well there you go there's the psychology of a racing driver isn't it I'm sure Jupp van Utert would much prefer to have been on a podium this afternoon but he'd be a lot happier in ninth than he ever would have been in 11th true yes and ahead of the GT leader as well which is another psychological gap whether or not the weather conditions were playing to the strength of the Ferrari this afternoon, which of course they are. Yes. So the 24 is almost on the back of the flatbed. We've got under five minutes to go. Question now is, will they put this race back to green for the last few minutes? Well, there's the potential for that, and it depends, of it's course... It's raceable, without a doubt. Oh, yeah, the conditions are, and it's obviously very, very wet offline, as Alexandre Quani proved. We didn't see exactly where that car switched ends. It's already mid-accident as it comes into the side of the camera down at Lafagne corner, and uh, saw a huge incident in a similar place last year for the in the European Le Mans series race. For the Algarve Pro Car, which actually toppled over onto its roof because it, it caught the Marshall Post. This is the car going off a little further around Pouan, where the tyres are four or five deep. So the tyre wall did its job we go green very in much. 35 seconds. And At 17, 47, 30, we go green in 30 seconds. So two and a half minutes of racing to the flag, or wherever the leader is, of course, when the chequered flag is displayed. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a race director that is still a major race fan, wants to see them race. 20 seconds to go green. Much, much better to get the race uh, checkered under racing conditions. And there's a very small gap indeed between Nine, Christian England eight, and Dino Lunardi. Seven, Who's going to get the start and the best five, of the start from this four, countdown then? Three, England two, in front, Lunardi one, behind. Track is back to green. Both, track hit, is back to green. both hit the loud pedal at identical times. Has Lunardi got the better of him? No, he goes up there. That was a brilliant move from Lunardi. England's not having anything off that though. 
he manages to power around the outside, keeps the, the gap. Lenardi again goes to the inside. Still, England's not going to seat that position. Just three minutes to go. Oh, good stuff for three minutes of racing here. <laughs> and the tyres will have lost a bit of temperature, of course, running around in very wet and cold conditions. So the Michelin slowly bubbling back up to operating window and the full course yellow speeds. Well, there's a sort of bracket. Uh, caveat that we get at the end of each of the FCYs that all those speeds are investi under investigation now. That might mean there's a suspicion that somebody has done wrong. It might be just a check. But there are two minutes and three quarters still to go and there might be a little bit more to tag on to that. Oh, Spinning where the leader both, is. Both sliding through and into the bus stop. Completely different lines. Completely yes. similar results. Zero kilometres per hour is the wind, so that suggests the rain is going to stay with us for the rest of the, this race and probably into the evening as well. Up the inside, maybe. Christine England goes a bit too hot into La Source corner. No, Dino Lenardi slides the rear out just a little too much, trying to get the power in. Kept it right on the edge, but couldn't get the straight line momentum. And now down towards La Rouge, up to Radion. He's got the better run up the hill here. This is at the places just off the podium, remember, fourth and fifth places, and Christine England, yes, didn't get as good a drive out of Radion as the Motorsport 98 car from Belgium, remember, and flying the Belgian colours, can Dino Lenardi of France get in front of Christine England? Not there. How about here? Not there. England again nowhere near the apex but he seems to make that route work I suppose because if he's staying away from all the standing water that is on the inside of the turns Dino Lenardi happy to run through there and realises not as much grip as on the higher lines into Bruxelles corner again the Motorsport 98 car is on the attack but Christian England deliberately going very wide it's tight oh just kept away from the side of the car Christian England it's all about the drive off the corners, isn't it? Where the extra keeping, group is. Keeping his cool amazingly here. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's the onus is on Dino Lenardi to make this overtake work. Not afraid, Christian England here, to cede a little bit of track position for momentum and absolutely. for traction. And he's got it right every time so far. He's got 53 seconds on the clock and whatever is left on the track to keep that momentum. Here comes Lenardi, though. Can he do it again? Christian England's got the line for the corner, yeah. and he keeps it. He does, and he's put the car to driver's right this time so that he can defend into Camper's corner, but surely this time the man from France, from Nîmes, gets the place, although Barnsley uh, born Christian England trying to go up the inside again. No, oh. not quite. And finally, Christian England runs out of opportunities to defend, and it looks like he's lacking power coming out of curve Paul Frere as well because he's lost several car lengths this time on Dino Lenardi, who's now got a lot of spray to contend with from a Ferrari. Might be the 50 car up ahead of him. Final lap for the leaders. Meanwhile, Colin Noble, 11 seconds to good from teammate James Littlejohn, who's eight and a half seconds up on Leonard Hergenboom. They've got 45 seconds on this battling pair. This is the race leader, Colin Noble. Young man from Scotland. The RDC rising star, and I think that's an apt description of the way that he's tackled this season, a breakthrough season for the reigning UK LMP3 champion. And an excellent middle part of this season for the team and for this squad. Yeah, paying a little bit for a non-finish in the second road to Le Mans race. 
back in June, but they finished second at Red Bull Ring, second place at Paul Ricard to kick their season off as well, and a fifth place finish in the first race during Le Mans week. 17th place at Monza has pulled paid to it. Any chance of a championship coming here, though, and, of course, that non-finish at Le Mans. But this will be a first win of the year. Lafagna corner down towards campus now, nursing a 12-second lead back to the sister car of James Littlejohn, started by Tony Wells. And Leonard Hugenboom on course for a third-place finish in the race, and that would seal it in the championship for DKR Engineering. And the battle that we've just enjoyed between Dino Lenardi and Christian England will settle fourth and fifth position. Christian England, I think, is far enough ahead, yes he is, of Nico Molini. With any chance of that to, to change, pretty much gone. Coming to the end of the lap, well done Alison McCaig, well done Akuri Kost Nielsen, and very well done Colin Noble. Chased down a mighty lead, it looked like he was going to do it anyway. But Alexander Kwani's misfortune became the... Edge they needed, 79 Kuriakos Nielsen car, Johnny. Home for their first win in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. There you go. They get 25 points then, and how quickly motorsport can turn because Colin Noble and Alistair McKay very, very disconsolate on the podium at Red Bull Ring. But they'll take the top step this time around and uh, mass applause down at Akira Cost Nielsen. Over the line in third position and sealing the championship. Leonard Hugenboom and Jens Pettersen for DKR Engineering. They are the 2018 Drivers' Champions and DKR get back-to-back -back titles after Jean Gloria and Alex Torrell's success in 2017. Excellent stuff. Deserved winners. Uh, they've been dominant almost throughout the entire year. Uh, Jens Pettersson, there he is, uh, has been around for quite some time, GT racing in particular, has adapted to LMP3 beautifully. Leonard Hergenboom is going to be one of the crop that come from LMP3 and are going to be uh, on the ends of my typing figures for quite some time and will be, I'm sure people will talk about Johnny for quite some time. Uh, with, I'm sure, long sports car uh, history ahead of them to come. Yeah. That's what this championship is all about. It's breaking new talent, whether or not that talent be behind the wheel of the car, as a gentleman driver, or as a pro driver, or as a team, an aspirant team, to break through. Meantime, though, it's another race to be won, another championship to be won, and it's about to happen. Yeah, in the GT3 category, every other car in the class is home, but the Kessel Racing Ferrari still to come around, uh, just heading out of campus corner now towards Curve Paul Frere, so Blanchemont and the bust-up chicane to come, and we said it would take one more win for the number eight Kessel Racing crew, they are on course to take victory, congratulations to Giacomo Pacini and Sergio Pianazzola, Pianazzola's stint for a, an AM driver for a bronze, uh, was absolutely superb in very unpredictable conditions they were changing every lap in the early stages he wind the tape back to the start of the race and it was pretty much bone dry and then the rain came down and this ferrari was just about on the right times at the right time finishes well ahead of everybody else and it'll be a race win then to car number eight but more crucially the drivers championship the team's championship go the way of Giacomo Puccini, also Sergio Pianazzola and Kessel Racing are going to Le Mans next year. Exactly the point I was going to make. Another famous name in motorsport will be going to the biggest endurance race in the world. Kessel Racing from Switzerland, the great tradition of high-end GT3 racing, will make the leap, and I'm sure they'll want to take that. Uh, so 
the uh, the efforts of the Nebraik crew this season have paid off. Let's wait and see exactly what the plans of Ronnie Kessel and Co. Bennett there from Ikuri Kos. No mean motorcycle racer himself. A little bit of wise counsel to young Colin Noble. He'd be delighted with that. Absolutely correctly delighted. Yeah. And he's had to wait a couple of months since the disappointment at Red Bull Ring, but it'll be a very different be a very different uh, expression on the face of both drivers, Alistair McKay and Colin Noble this time on the podium. Here's the race winning and championship winning Ferrari number eight then. Congratulations to Ronnie Kessel, as you say, and Tiziana Borghi, who are the principals for the Swiss team, came here with three cars in the championship. They actually bag a one, two, three as things turn out. Second place going to Matteo Crosoni in the number 50 car. And that's the car he shares with Crisoni in with uh, Murad Sultanov. So first uh, race in this championship for both drivers, and they bag themselves as a second place. And Andrea Pacini in car 77 sharing with Claudio Schiavoni will complete the podium. Well, let's hope that encourages, encourages Mr Sultanov back because uh, he'll be very welcome, I'm sure, on this grid. It uh, is a grid that certainly has got room for more GT cars. So right now... You can only beat who they put in front of you, and uh, that's exactly what the number eight Castle Racing crew have done. Giacomo Piccini looks like he's won that effort pretty well. A man who has had history in the Le Mans series and uh, ACO rules racing in the past with LMP2 machinery, racing box, and uh, their Lolas back in the day. Yeah. And now it is time to get some reaction from our various winners. Let's catch up with Akuria Cost Nielsen, first of all. The two drivers now with Charlie. Well, guys, finally, that elusive win has come to you in rather spectacular spa conditions. Yeah, it was rather tricky. Uh, Alistair definitely got a tricky stint at the start, going out in slicks and it rained for the first lap. But, yeah, he did a really good job keeping it on and, uh, yeah, brought it round in P1 after the second lap. How does it feel to take that win? Yeah, it's been a long time due, but uh, you know, Colin and I did a good job, kept out of trouble and got it to the end of the race. So really enjoyed it in the wet and changing conditions. It was, the car was absolutely fantastic today. Congratulations. Well done, guys. Thank you. Delighted for them. It's a famous name, Akuri Akos, of course. Uh, multiple Le Mans wins to the credit of that historic racing brand, Nielsen Racing, their new partners, Johnny. Yeah, and here is confirmation of a 1-2 finish for that squad. We've heard from Alistair McKay second and Colin Noble initially in that interview. 13.7 seconds, the deficit then at the flag, but DKR Engineering sealing the championship with a third-place finish. Anything in the top seven, even if the 79 won the race, would have done. Dino Lenardi cracking run through the order to finish fourth ahead of Christian England. And now let's hear from our GT3 championship and race winners, Kessel Racing. Well, Giacomo, congratulations. An incredible race, incredible conditions. But most importantly, you are GT3 champions. Yeah, we are. We are. I'm so happy. The race was one of the most difficult of the season because of the condition. Sergio did an amazing job. He came in at the right moment. He decided by himself when to change the tyres and it was the right moment. Then the pace was good. We can gain a good advantage and I just had to administrate in the second part of the race. It was not easy because the track was really wet. So we are really, really happy and proud of Kessel team that did as usual and amazing job well done guys fantastic work enjoy celebrating thanks Giacomo Puccini chatting to Charlie George and here is confirmation then of the finishers in the GT3 classification Kessel Racing 1-2-3 
eight, winning from 50 and 77. Spirit of Race just missing out on the podium. And in fifth place, the 88 EB Motors car of Paolo Venerossi and Alessandro Bacani. Let's have a look back then on what this race offered us. And it feels like a completely different day when it started with no rain at all. Although it was damp in places, as proved by the two cars that started on the front row. Tony Wells, very wide. Michael Benham also well and truly off the road in a spin, a half spin for Adrian Truye. Thank goodness he wasn't collected by anybody. Also a spin for John Ferrano in the number 14 white car. And then Benham went off big style at the top of the hill at Radion, backing it into, thankfully, some very deep tyres there. And that cushioned the blow somewhat. The 25 car was able to continue. But then knocking chunks out of each other were various other runners. There was a spin here for Jens Pettersen as well. And we feared the worst for the championship leader. Thankfully, he was able to rejoin again without anybody piling into the back of him out of the speaker's corner that left hand that after Bruxelles. The rain started to pour then and it was side-by-side -side action for the DB Autosport car overtaken by an courier cost Nielsen machine. Here was Jens Pettersen with the first of a couple of moments we saw a moment or two ago but there was also a spin at Puon corner as well for the German. This big moment for Anthony Parr for CD Sport as the Spanish crew saw their car backed into the concrete wall sadly and there was only one winner there doing damage to the rear left corner it had to limp its way back to the endurance pit lane and Jens Pettersen again battling with the United Autosports car there in the early stages of Richard Mines down towards the first corner the scene of plenty of action as it so often is here at Spa this was Pettersen battling away with Adrian Truyer as the young man tried to recover the situation, a very squirrely moment indeed for Damien Delafosse under-breaking into Le Com corner. Thankfully, any contact was avoided and Colin Noble set about his task stoutly after taking over the car because he had cars to overtake, including Ross Warburton and many others too. And then the race leader at the time, who was Alexander Kwani, retiring in spectacular fashion skidding off the track at Puon and those at Cool Racing could not watch slamming into the side of the tyre wall there thankfully Kwani was okay the car out on the spot though and here was the moment that Colin Noble obviously took the lead at that time when Kwani spun out and retained it to the chequered flag over the line then for a first win of the season for a courier cost Nielsen after so much success in the UK based LMP3 championship they taste victory for the first time though at Michelin Le Mans Cup level and Leonard Hugenboom doing all that he needed to do finishing third on the road sealing the championship for the second year running for DKR Engineering it's a championship victory for Kessel Racing as well who win the invitation to the 2019 running of the 24 hours of Le Mans and here is confirmation of how the points then finish at the end of round five. One more to come in a month's time at Portimao. 42 laps completed, though, by the eventual race winner, Ikuria Cost-Nielsen, number 79. That's the car of Colin Noble and Alistair McKaig. They win from teammates Tony Wells and James Littlejohn. And it's the DKR engineering duo of Jens Pettersen and Leonard Hugenboom who finished third. Ahead of Eric Dodonka and Dino Lenardi's Motorsport 98 Ligier and Richard Mines and Christian England in the top five for United Autosports. And then in sixth position, the 39 car of Eric and Adrian Truyer. There, though, are the winners for DKR Engineering. Championship-wise, 
we'll see them on the podium, which is great to see. And the T-shirts were already being prepared down at DKR Engineering. They've been liberally spread around the team. And the podium is mere moments away then to be called onto the third step will be Jens Pettersson and Leonard Hugenboom we'll not think about the championship just yet on this race in isolation they finish third and top Norma after a really good stint from both drivers yes a few offs for Jens Pettersson but there were plenty of other people falling off the track at that sort of time and this young kid Leonard Hugenboom still only 18 years old Another potential star of the future. The second step then going the way of James Littlejohn and Tony Wells. And they leap across the top step to celebrate with those from DKR Engineering. But the win goes to Colin Noble and to Alistair McCaig who round the corner now. Shake hands with their teammates, backslapping from Tony Wells. And we will hear the national anthem of the winning team, Akuria Koss-Nielsen. and congratulations again to Colin Noble and to Alistair McCaig and who's that representing the team then? That, just that is Roger Bennett that's there Roger Bennett are. team manager with the Akuriakos side of things looks after Colin Noble and several parts of this Akuriakos effort and as I say earlier Noble motorcycle race for himself in his day it wasn't that long ago Roger of course not no 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 motorcycle road racer that's is uh, that's something that takes some real courage as <laughs> he said but uh very different faces on the uh, podium from Noble and McCaig after the disappointment of the Red Bull ring. This is a very different feel to the podium. Yeah, and they'll suddenly remember exactly why they're in motorsport once again because to stand on the top step, there ain't no other feeling like this. Um, good to have Roger sharing it with them from the team. Well done to James Littlejohn and Tony Wells. Tony will think about ELMS racing tomorrow, as will Colin Noble, of course and a championship uh, trophy no doubt being prepared either today or it might be held back till Portimao but the champagne that's one thing for sure is being sprayed and liberally they're already pretty damp all these drivers having stepped out of wet racing cars into uh, uh, drizzly conditions but happy now to soak themselves in the bubbly and this is how the race finished once again then 13.7 seconds the gap between the two team cars. DKR Engineering complete the podium ahead of Motorsport 98, United Autosports and the two Graf cars, Eric and Adrian Truier, finishing ahead of the sister machine at number 40, which was the Adrian Chiller and Marc-Antoine Danilou car. Kessel Racing take the race, take the championship in car number eight. Well done to Sergio Pianazzola and Giacomo Pacini. They win from the 50 machine which was driven for Kessel again by Murad Sultinov and Matteo Cairoli and completing a Kessel Racing 1-2-3, Claudio Schiavone and Andrea Pacini in car number 77. We'll get confirmation in a moment or two of how the points shape up heading to the final race of the year in a month's time at Portimao. Pouring down with rain again now. 
but there is another podium. Here are the points, another podium to come, of course. So 103 is the current total for Jens Pettersen and uh, Leonard Hugenboom. That's an unassailable lead, despite a race win for Alistair McCaig and Colin Noble. Tony Wells and James Littlejohn in there in third position, ahead of Adrian Schiller, Marc-Antoine Danilou for Graf, and Duncan Tappy and Michael Benham for the Lannan Racing squad. They're on to 30 points, and obviously one of those points is courtesy of the pole position this weekend. Dry conditions greeted the teams as they headed to the dummy grid ahead of a rolling start, but it was to worsen and with great ferocity too. With cars almost unable to stop at the first corner, including Michael Benham and including Tony Wells. This was a big crash for Anthony Pont in his CD Sport machine. But a great race in the end for Ikiriakos Nielsen and for Kessel Racing. The podium for the GT3s is moments away, but this is how the points finished in the Drivers' Championship in GT3. Giacomo Puccini and Sergio Piantzola, with a round to go, have also an unassailable lead. Christoph Ulrich and Maurizio Mediani gave it their all, but they finished eventually in fourth position in the race. Uh, so they're going to 77 points ahead of Andrea Puccini and Claudio Schiavoni. Marco Ciocci and Pier Giuseppe Barazzini we didn't even see in the race after the 71 Ferrari was crashed earlier on today. And the EB Motors Porsche, fifth in the championship after a fifth-place finish in that race for Paolo Venerossi and Alessandro Bacani. Good to see Crisoni and Sultanov get some first points on the board for them as well. So third step of the podium going the way of Claudio Schiavoni and Andrea Pacini. It's a second-place finish for the 50 car of Murad Sultanov and Matteo Crisoni. But the race winners and now the championship winners are Sergio Pianazzola and Giacomo Puccini. Will either of those drivers be part of the driving lineup for Kessel next year at Le Mans? I wonder. We will hear the Swiss, na Swiss national anthem. So a perfect set of results for the Lugano-based team Kessel Racing. And the Michelin caps go back on. Team representative from Kessel also joining the race-winning drivers. And the trophy's about to be called forward then. Third place to be presented first. Beautifully controlled drive from the ultimate uh, race and championship-winning crew. Knew what they had to do. Did that in a very risk-free manner as well. Impressive stuff from the number eight group. Yeah. And really, the only blot on the copybook were the Road to Le Mans races. One of them, they finished second. The other one all came to a grinding halt uh, with, uh, without a lap completed when several Ferraris got together at the second chicane, you may remember. But every other race along the way, the two-hour bread-and-butter races, they have won. So, clearly, deserved championship winners... They might even make it a clean sweep in Portimao in a month's time. Kessel could not wish for a better result here, having brought three Ferraris with them in GT3, and each one of them features on the podium. The champagne about to be decorked, and again sprayed on this 
fantastically positioned podium at Spa. A couple of stories up and directly in front of the grandstand. Let's look back then on what the GT3 battle offered us throughout the last two hours of Michelin Le Mans Cup action. As the P3s kick things off down towards the first corner, the GT3s towards the back of shot, but both cars in LMP3 had to go straight on and use a lot of the runoff, almost had to pay to get back in, so wide were they. Adrian Truyet sideways as well. But thankfully, all those cars recovered, and we ended up only with three retirements. The DB Autosport car of Jacques Wolfe, despite Michael Benham's big off there at Radion, the CD Sport car didn't make the finish. We'll see what happened to that in a moment or two. And also the cool racing car that was leading at the time with Alexandre Quani at the wheel. But that spun out at Pouan. This was a spin for Jens Pettersen. And everybody having to slow up and go to the right of the German driver in the Luxembourgish car from DKR Engineering. Side by side this at the start of the Kemmel straight. And a nice little overtake round the outside of the number 20 DB Autosport car. This was Jens Pettersen heading into Campus Corner with water pouring off the number three car, but on the way to a 2018 championship. This is what happened to Anthony Paul in the CD Sport car then, smacking the concrete wall on driver's left at Radion and doing significant damage to that rear wing and also the floor at the back of that car. Three cars through Campus Corner as well, showing... It is possible to race very close to one another in these tricky conditions. Leonard Hugenboom would take over the number three and set about overtaking several cars then, including the number 39 that at the time was driven by Eric Trier. So cars fanning out down the straight, which resulted in a big moment for Damien Delafosse at the wheel of the 65 Graf racing car. He did actually very well to recover that moment. And here was the 79 then ducking underneath Ross Warburton, and he would never look back with Colin Noble, who took victory with teammate Alistair McCaig. They will be thoroughly chuffed with that, and it might be the first of a few. That was the moment when Alexandre Quani went off stage right and into the barrier, sadly, and those at Cool Racing could no longer watch the big screens, but it means when you get a negative in motorsport, somebody else is going to find a positive, and Colin Noble was there to take the race lead, which was converted into a race win. And over the line they went two months after massive disappointment at Red Bull Ring. Thank you, Graham Goodwin of DailySportsCar.com. Uh, an enjoyable race once again. One more to come in a month's time. Absolutely, and more to come tomorrow with four hours of uh, the European Le Mans series. Join us to, uh, as both of us again. That was engaging stuff. And we hope for slightly better weather, although the forecast doesn't suggest that right now. It is Spa, after all. From Graham Goodwin and from Johnny Palmer, we hope you've enjoyed our coverage. Bye-bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.